When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Greatest movies of all time, John Travolta classic, Saturday Night Fever. And what you can see, unless you watch this show after the radio show is done at WABCRadio.tv, what you cannot see right now, because you're listening on radio, is the duo of Justin Ellick, my fine executive producer, and Frankie Diaz with an E, who just did a uh, better than mediocre job, actually, hosting the early morning news, dancing together. And... um well, this is uh, Gay Pride Month. They look gay. And I think Frankie is wearing like an Aaliyah t-shirt, which I, I don't even know where you would purchase something like that, let alone wear it. I mean, what is that? I think he looks handsome. <laughs> what is that t-shirt? Target. Target? Yeah, since he's got it from Target. I remember when I was a kid, I used to have this uh, t-shirt with uh, Farrah Fawcett on it, a big face, and uh, it was like that. It was like that t-shirt, you know. Of course, it was 19... 19- 75 or something, and now we're 2022, but he's got a sport jacket on. Mm -hmm. He's a cute kid. He's got a nice-looking face. He's a little heavy, but that's fine. His mother gets fair when I say that. That's fine. Uh, But he's got this T-shirt. of of, uh, uh, That's the girl who died. Died in a plane crash, right? Aaliyah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She. uh, The plane was too heavy. Right, that's right. The plane was too heavy. That's right. Well, you look very 1970-ish cute, so it makes sense. You'd be dancing to How Deep Is Your Love. I have so many different band shirts, it's not even funny. I have everything you could think of. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're a weird kid. I'm weird, yeah. I've never denied that. You're right. But you're lovable, and you're, you're uh, very good at your job. So Thank you. Happy Friday morning to you and your mother. Happy Friday, Sid. Your mother's hot. She's carrying a gun again. She's, that's what she was telling me. She was considering it. What's your mother's name again? Beatrice or something? Or? Sarah. That's right. You're right about yeah, that. Close enough. That's <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It's like, fine. You're on different ends of the alphabet. All right, well, thank you, Frank. Thank you. Get out now. You're welcome. Uh, uh, Lou, uh, Lou Rafino, the Hall of Fame great, I miss in the morning legend Lou Rafino, who came back to this program a couple of weeks ago to join me and my great partner, Bernard, putting that I miss crew back together. Sans I miss, well, he's dead. He can't, he can't do anything. And uh, Rob Bartlett, he's as good as dead. But uh, you have me, Bernie, and Lou together. 
but uh, Lou isn't here this morning. You know, I have to say, Justin Ellick was a great board op. You know, Matt Meany, if you don't know the history of this uh, this show, we'll do it quickly because you have to get to January 6th and all this nonsense. Yeah. Bernie's out today. He'll be back on Monday. So um, the history was Matt Meany was our board op, and we had this uh, young lady named Jill Vitale. You know Jill. Yeah, I know Jill. Ferdy Flipper. And uh, she was our producer, and, and she was a great producer. She just was. She had uh, all kinds of issues. She's a wacky kid, but she's like me, you know, but she's great. You know, she's smart. She's instinctive. She likes entertaining radio. In fact, she agreed with me more than anybody else on the show because she wanted to do more of the shtick that I like to do, TV stuff, movie stuff, and less politics. Anyway, and she booked great guests. And then Meany, uh, when she left, he graduated from the board up. He's an excellent board up, excellent, to the, um, the uh, executive producer, and now he's the program director. But Meany has this, this really stupid philosophy that uh, shows don't need guests, you know. They want to hear more of you and Bernie, which is ridiculous. I mean, come on. I, I know we're great. We're number one, but even we get boring after a while. The same damn story three times a morning. You absolutely need guests in a big-time market on a morning show. Absolutely. I love listening to Howard Stern, but I want to hear him interview people. Same thing with Don Imus or anybody else. So, But I think part of that was because he wasn't very good at booking guests. So we just said, ah, you don't need guests anyway. <laughs> so now he's the program director. So Justin Ellick, a kid that I worked with two or three times on the weekends last year. He did my Super Bowl show here, my sports show. Mm-hmm. He became the board op. And I didn't know who he was, you know, or anything. And um, he was a weekend kid, you know. And I, I really had very low expectations, to be honest. And it turns out he was great. Not good, but great. Wow. Oh, my God. And then he was unceremoniously booted by the station because Lou Ruffino came here, and Ruffino was he's a legend. I wasn't I was promoted. I wasn't booted. Nah, you were booted. Okay. So they gave you this <laughs> the promotion to make yeah. it make it easy on you, but yeah. you got you got ripped off the board like you were just, you know. I, 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 listen, I like what I listen. When Lou texted me this morning saying his car broke down, I let out the biggest miserable groan you could, uh, no, I know, I you know, could conjure. You, no, I know you've gotten used to your new job, which you're good at and all that, but I think when you when they first took you up, you were, you were hurt, you were hurt, you know, and you should have been. It, was, it wasn't very nice. Uh, but I have to tell you, I was all for it, so. They're like, you want Lou or you want Justin? I'm like, Lou. No, yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. No, I remember I texted you about it, and you, and you, couldn't, you couldn't call me fast enough. You, you were all giddy. <laughs> well, you were all giddy. What did you just say? Oh, my God. What did you just say? Well, I mean, again, I, I, I didn't know you very well. Yeah. And here's a guy that's been doing this for 30 years. Yeah. One of the all-time greats. Mm-hmm. It's not a, um, it's, it has nothing to do with you. I didn't take, I didn't take a prayer. I didn't care. Right. No, you really didn't care. I really didn't. That's part of, that's part of the reason why you're great at this job, and yeah. I mean that. Yeah. Is you're a psychopath. Yeah. No, nothing bothers you. Nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing makes you upset. Nothing embarrasses you. Nothing. Not your personal life. Not this job. Nothing. As long as my paycheck comes in the, uh. Yeah, that Come, well, comes down the line. I'm that, all right. That hefty paycheck. Of yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. The big bucks that I'm making. So, uh, Lewis, he's not here this morning. That's why you hear Justin, who's very entertaining too. He's uh, all the videos we do at this station. There's a lot of video work we do here. Mm. You guys may not know that because the radio show is no longer on live. You have to go back and watch it on WABCRadio.tv after the show. But if you uh, look at the Instagram accounts at it's Bernie and Sid at it's Bernie and Sid or at 77 WABC Radio, of course, my page, at Rosenberg.Sydney, you will see that Gina and Stephanie and all these people, uh, Gabby, they put up these videos every day. And the star of our show's videos, I mean this, besides me, is Justin. Always Justin. Very funny. Very funny. Uh, a good, uh, good timing. 
makes a lot of funny faces, makes fun of himself. Very good at it. Yeah. So, so Lou this morning, he's not here. And uh, But why isn't he here? Uh, he texted me, he said, uh, you know, in, in his Lou Rufino way, that my car broke down in Brooklyn and I, <laughs> yeah, sure. then I won't be sure. there on time. I've used that one once or twice. Yeah. Hey, I'm in. I'll tell you, one of the greatest stories ever involving my stay on Imus. I think it was about 2002 or 2003. And I'm in the throes of like a really serious drug and alcohol problem, you know. And um, I'm becoming a quasi, quasi celeb in New York City. Heck, I had a lot of real estate every day hosting the midday show with Jody McDonald and Joe Beningo on WFAN, doing sports on IMIS. But very quickly, and Bernie would even admit this, I became like one of the stars of that show because I did so many reckless, crazy things that IMIS counted on me every day to be that guy. You know, he had Bernie, he had Rob, he had Larry, he had Lou, but I was that guy. It was IMIS Charles and then me. I was the maniac. I mean, I kept IMIS in the news, you know. Well, it ultimately got you in trouble. All the time. Yeah. I got fired three times. Right. I got suspended. Page three of the New York Post. Had to go to rehab. It was yeah. a mess. Some mentor he was. <laughs> I know. He was the worst. <laughs> four and a half years, and people think I was at the fan for 20, because I did more in those four and a half years than guys doing 30, to be honest with you. So um, one, one day, I'm hungover. I was out the night before. I think it was like the Republican National Convention. I don't remember. And um, it's late. So I, you know, I don't know how to change a tire. I have no idea how to do it. That's why I have trouble. Yeah, I don't, a lot of people don't know how. Yeah, it's, I don't know how to, it's, not a, it's not like an easy task no, I know, to but, teach. But I don't know how to do anything. Like, like I, I readily admit I can't change a light bulb. I mean, Danielle does all the work in my house. Here's a hot, hot lady, and she does all the work. I am good for nothing. I'm great at talking on radio. I'm great at it. But uh, you have me do anything with my hands outside of sex, and I'm horrible. Horrible. So um, I know how to change a tire. So, but I decide one morning I'm, I'm going to be late, very late. I'm in uh, 6 o'clock. Where the hell is shit? So I, I tell him I got a flat tire, right? So my, my tire was fine. So I pull into the WFAN parking lot at like 6.30 in the morning. I'm sitting outside drinking coffee, you know, trying to sober up. And, um, and then I go outside the car, and I put my hand on the tire, and I get my hand filled with this tire grease, and I put it all over my face like, uh, like I'm trying to change a tire. But, of course, if you were changing a tire, you may get a little bit of grease on your face. I put enough grease on my face, it was like blackface. I swear to God. And I walk in, and, and the young man just starts to laugh. He's laughing. I go, what are you laughing at? 7 o'clock in the morning, do you realize I spent the last hour breaking my ass trying to change a tire? And he's like, hey, Charles, look at this kid's face. <laughs> and he gave me two or three opportunities to come clean, you know. Just be honest, Sid, you're out drunk again. And I'm like, um, yeah, you're right. He goes, well, how'd you get that stuff on your face? I said, I put it there. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a couple of, uh, there's a couple of legendary Sid Imus stories. Uh, there was the one where, this is a true story, too. I lived in uh, Chelsea. Not too far from the World Trade Center. In fact, uh, on 9-11, the smoke was billowing inside my apartment. And I lived uh, with Danielle on 21st and 8th, right there by the West Side Highway, where the cops and the firemen would drive by every day. We'd stand out there clapping, saluting. We thought they were going to find, you know, finding bodies. They, they found nobody, of course. But uh, we were out there for days, and, and uh, I lived right there. And um, like I said, the smoke would come inside my apartment and I had this dry cleaner who was on 8th Avenue, my 22nd Street. I forget where it was. And um, right after 9-11, he dropped off my cleaning. And as part of my cleaning, I noticed there were four or five Pierre Cardin 
button-down shirts that weren't mine. How did I know it wasn't mine? Well, I know my own clothing. But second of all, on the wrist where they put your initials, the initials were HH. And last I checked, my initials are SR. That didn't stop me, of course, from keeping the shirts and wearing the shirts. If the dry cleaner drops it off, possession is 99%. I tried it on. It looked pretty good. I went with it. So I show up at work one day, and uh, the eye man looks down at my, at my uh, hand, and he's looking at my hand. And, and I said, Imus, why do you keep looking at my hand? Well, with the, look at my face when I talk to you. Oh, I couldn't help but notice that, though. You stole that shirt. And I go, what kind of sick, demented thing is that to say? And he pointed out that the initials on the shirt said HH and not SR. So once again, I had to admit to the eye man that I had done something... <laughs> You're a terrible liar. But, uh, See, that's the problem. Well, no, but I mean, he had to prove. I, so I had to admit, I said, listen, they dropped off the shirts. He said, you know, that uh, it could have been somebody who died in the building that day who never picked up their shirt. So not only are you wearing somebody else's shirt, you son of a bitch, but you may be wearing a dead guy's shirt. Well, like, ch- oh, chances are you were. Chances yeah. are you were. It made, made me feel even worse. So then they set up a whole deal. Bo Deedle and Imus get this guy Johnny involved. And this guy, it was all set up, comes down to the studio one day playing the role of the guy that owns the shirts. Now, if you don't know Johnny C., he's been in every mob movie, The Sopranos. This guy is yoked. This guy is one of the strongest, toughest-looking guys you'll ever see in Hollywood history, Bo Dito's friend Johnny C. And he comes down to the studio, and he's ready to kill me. Ready to kill me. It got so bad, I missed how to draw his gun. I ran underneath and hid underneath Mark Chernoff's desk. Bo Deedle drew his gun. Uh, Johnny C. threw a computer up against the glass. It was complete chaos. He had to play the role. He played it well. And then, of course, they told me afterwards he's just an actor. But these were some of the messes, uh, Justin, I got myself in when I was on the Imus in the morning show. And I guess I guess uh, I'm thinking more about Imus today, not only because Lou Rafino pulled a Sid Rosenberg this morning and is not here for work, with some excuse, whatever. He's probably still drunk. Right, of course. Yeah. So, um, but because today is the Talkers Magazine convention. Now, for you folks out there, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But there's a daily magazine that goes out. It's, a, it's an industry magazine. So if you're a radio guy, sales executive, president, CEO, uh, just a regular sales guy, program director, assistant program director, you know, you know about this magazine, Talkers. And they basically update around the country the radio stories of the day. And once a year, this uh, very sweet guy, very sweet Michael Harrison, puts together this convention at Hofstra University, and all these big radio guys show up. You know, Sean Hannity shows up. Uh, you know, uh, who else? Uh, Bill O'Reilly shows up. Some of the other, uh, you know, big-time syndicated hosts around the country, guys like Chris Olivero, who runs Entercom, my old intern who's a superstar for years in this business, Chad Lopez, the best young exec in the business, he'll be there today. In fact, our main man, John Katsimatidis, the hero, one of my best friends, I love him and Margot to pieces, he is uh, going to be the keynote speaker there this morning. It's a big deal. And uh, I usually go every year. I'm invited, obviously, because I'm one of the major stars in the business. And um, I look very handsome today, I must admit, in my uh, jacket that I bought from Anthony at the garage. Nice blue and, and the whole thing going on. But I, I don't think I'm going to go. I don't think I'm going to go. I, I, you know, I do this every year. I say yes, and then, and then I did the thought about going out to Hofstra. Well, oh, you're, you're not talking. 
So why do you need to go? No, I am talking. Oh, you are talking. Of course. Oh, so you can't blow it off. Let me ask you a question. If if you're in the radio business Hmm. and you go out there to learn something about the business, I don't care if you're a Sean Hannity or not. Yeah. Don't you want to hear from guys like me? Um, you want my honest answer? Sure. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You're such a dick. You know, I I really, I just. Oh no! Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's an enthusiastic. Yeah. Yes, from uh, Justin. I would take. Uh, dil- oh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go. On really diligent notes. On, uh, yeah. I am not yeah. going to go. Okay. And that's the end of it. Right. Unless somebody calls me and you know yells at me. And no, I, you still may not. You go. can't go. You don't have the time. You have to spend have three hours in a studio to read your audio book. That's right. Right. No, that's not today. But I do have to take uh, pick up Gabe at his uh, school, which I hate, on the Upper West Side. One of his little friends, his little friend Elijah, is actually coming back to uh, Rockaway for the weekend with us. Last weekend, I had Ava and her girlfriends. Now Gabe gets his chance. I got to pick Gabe up at school, put them both on the ferry. And uh, so I don't have time for the uh, uh, talk. Well, we'll see. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. A little walk down memory lane. I think you folks enjoyed it. We'll come back and start talking about the real important stuff, I guess, like January 6th. What nonsense that was last night. Right here on the Friday edition of Bernie and Sid. I feel you touch me in the pouring rain And the moment that you wander far from Bernie and Sid in the Morning On the Red Apple Podcast Network Sometimes when this place gets kind of empty Sound of the breath fades with the light I think about the loveless fascination Under the Milky Way tonight Looks like today's going to be the nicest day of the weekend. Already a sun-splashed blue sky here in New York City. Overlooking 3rd Avenue and 49th Street. Smith and Walensky's right across the street. Highs about 81 and sunny today. I think an overcast weekend, though. You know, I, um, I'm i tanorexic. I know you folks know that. It's not a laughing thing. <laughs> But I'm tan all year round. Doesn't matter whether it's January, February. But of course, uh, during the cold winter months, I go to tanning salons, specifically my friend Raul Portofino on the Upper West Side. And uh, we all know that, of course. And then when the weather gets nice, I go outside. Uh, but I've never lived on the beach before. So what I would do is I would walk around the corner, 104th and West End, shirtless. Walking through my lobby, all these old Jewish ladies, these Democrats who hated my guts, had my picture up, kill this guy. And I'd walk around the corner, and I would stand in front of an apartment building and keep my face in the sun. And that, that's how I did it. I mean, I could have gone to Riverside Park. I could have gone to Central Park. I did that occasionally. But for the most part, Danielle wasn't doing that. And I would just stand, literally stand in front of the apartment house around the corner and get my son. It sucked. Be out there for three hours, you know, sweating, standing, so humid in the city, and it was awful. Now I go to the beach every day. As long as there's sunshine, I make the one-and-a-half-block walk, and I go to the beach. And uh, I've been peeling for like two weeks. 
<laughs> I've never had this before. Usually I get that initial bake, and I get very red, and I peel, and then I just start to brown and bronze the rest of the summer. But for some reason this year, I'm still peeling. I'm still red, and um, my face could actually use a break. But every time I'm inside somewhere, when it's sunny out, I start to get an anxiety attack. That's called tanorexic. Like, I actually pray, I pray that on weekdays, until I get home off the ferry or on the ferry, because I got a ton of sun on the ferry, I pray it's overcast. And, like, Danielle is home today, working from home, which means she's not working. She's going to walk to the beach. And I'm, like, jealous, you know. And that's how I am with this child. So you're afraid of the sun, but you're not afraid of the sun? I'm not afraid of the sun. I can't get enough sun. But I, I, I realize that I must be doing some serious damage, but it doesn't matter because I have to tell you that wherever I go, oh, every day, every single day, somebody says, wow, you've got a gorgeous tan, and that's all I need to hear. You know, I remember years ago, they asked the Olympic, uh, the Olympic kids, you know, if I guaranteed you a gold medal, it's a true story, if I guaranteed you a gold medal today, would you be willing to chop 10 years off your life? 87% of those kids said yes. Give me the gold medal. You can have my last 10 years. Now, now, when you get to be that age, where they're going to chop off the years, they may have very well, at that point, be, you know, a, a little remorseful. But the 87%, same thing with me. Well, aren't you afraid of the sun? Shut up. I don't, I don't wear sunscreen either. I don't do it. But you, don't ever have, you never have color. You, look I, like you never go outside. What are you talking about? I, 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 be, I can't do that. I can't look like you. I can't do What's, it. I'm not, I'm not like a pasty guy. Yeah, you're, kind, you're not Bernie, but you're, you're, not, uh, you're not exactly me. I would, I would venture to say that when I returned from Israel, I was looking like I was from there. No, not even close. Oh, okay. I look like I'm from there. You look like you like went outside for 15 minutes in, in the Bronx one day and, and just happened to with that stupid trucker tan because you wear like a short sleeve shirt. You would take your shirt off outside? I vehemently disagree with you. Oh, that's fine. So, I, you know, I, I, that's, that's my fear. My fear is I won't be tan, and then, you know, people compliment me all the time on it, and then I'm, and that's all I need to hear. So, anyway, let's get to this uh, January 6th nonsense from last night. I did not watch it. I watched the Rangers. I told you I would. I think January 6th is, at this point, a joke. I know Peter King disagrees. I think Bill O'Reilly may even disagree just a bit. I know me and Bernie are on the same page with this one. This is the most exaggerated day in the history of the country. I agreed with Bill O'Reilly that if nothing was new, and I don't believe anything was new outside of some videos, there was no reason to watch last night. You knew what you were going to get. One big Donald Trump hate best, one big Rudy Giuliani hate best. Look, it was an alarming day. There's no doubt seeing video and stills of people bum-rushing the Capitol, that's not great. I admit it. But at the risk of repetition, for the one millionth time, give me any summer night in 2020 in any one of these major cities, New York, Atlanta, Chicago, Seattle, Portland, those were insurrections, burning down police buildings. Donald Trump at one point had to be taken to the basement of the White House. But burning down police buildings, beating up police officers, beating up civilians, setting fires, taking guns and shooting people. All that happened, folks. Those are the real insurrections, not this January 6th nonsense. One person died, Ashley Babbitt, and she was murdered, and nobody wants to talk about it. Yes, the, 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 the visuals are, are scary. That's our, that's, our, that's our government building. But I have to tell you, AOC, she never cares what happens to people on the streets. 
I used to live on the Upper West Side. There'd be innocent people having dinner, and some, you know, fat white girl in a Michigan sweatshirt, or some black guy would walk by and just punch him across the face. Sitting outside eating dinner, punch him across the face. AOC never cared. But, oh, my God, we went to her house, right? We went to their house, the Capitol. And, by the way, none of these people, none of these people were their lives in danger. I mean, these idiots who stormed the Capitol January 6th, and they are idiots, the Trump supporters put their morons and made us look bad. What they want to do, they went and they put their feet up on the desk. Let's be honest. They're going to beat up people and hurt people. Let's stop. But they were scared, these politicians, because it happened to them. They're always so cavalier when it happens to somebody else. Remember Eric Adams? Crime on the subway is a perception. It's a perception, Eric Adams. Talked to the 15-year-old little girl who was doing her homework and got shot and came out yesterday and said, and I quote her, this is her quote, not mine, Eric Adams is doing a terrible job on crime. That was her quote, 15 years old. He's doing a terrible job on crime, and he once did say, not that long ago, it's perception. And I believe all the adjectives we use to describe January 6th, which are way over the top, is perception. Now, look, if you watched that nonsense last night, I am sure, I am sure, and I didn't, that they provided some really scary video. And then you get these jackasses like Benny Thompson out of Mississippi. It's a skank Liz Cheney. Yeah, I said it, skank. Liz Cheney and her nonsense. And uh, who else? What's his name? The, uh, the other guy from uh, Maryland. Jack off. What's his name? Oh, Jamie Raskin. Another, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got a weird uh, thing going on. His, his hair. His, I was going to say, stupid looking. He's got hair. plugs. Right. He's got to have plugs. I know it looks terrible. Anyway, all these people get up there and they say all these things. You're like, oh my god, that really is terrible. Oh my god, it really is terrible. Look at. Come on, we'll play a couple of these and then I'll go shower. Okay. Here is uh, this. A uh, Betty Thompson. He's out of Mississippi. He's a congressman, I believe. He, uh, he was the chair. He's the chair at these uh, stupid meetings. And uh, here's what he had to say. This is, we'll play two cuts from Benny Thompson, two cuts from Liz Cheney. Let me, let me start with Trump, though, because I was very critical of President Trump that day, and I remain critical. I wasn't critical in the sense that I thought Donald Trump invoked a riot. He didn't do that. He just didn't do it. I don't care what Liz Cheney says. I don't care what Peter King says. He didn't do it. Where Donald Trump failed miserably that day and where he should be, he should be criticized, is his lack of response. Now, supposedly, McCarthy was texting him. His own son, Jr., was texting him. Dad, you got to do something. He did nothing. Sat around with his finger up his ass. And trust me, I know Donald Trump. He loved every second of it. He loved it. He would admit that because it looked so scary, but he loved it. These people were out there fighting his fight, whether they were Antifa and it was a setup, or his, real, his own people, he was sitting there with an erection. I know Donald Trump, trust me. And then, of course, it hit him. Oh, my God, this is really bad. And, and eventually, hours later, he's like, maybe you should go home now. Oh, now there's a novel idea, Don. And, and again, I love Donald Trump. I hope, I can't wait to vote for him in 2024. I think he was the greatest one-term president of all time. But unlike a lot of you people who listen to this program he's not a, I, I, I can criticize it's okay pat riley didn't win every game vince lombardi didn't win every game babe ruth didn't hit 1000 that was not a good day for donald trump but not nearly as bad as these liars 
would make you think it was last night. Because I've got the audio. If Donald Trump was looking to incite a riot, well, sure, he could have done stuff behind the scenes that we don't know about. That may have been the case. But why would he say, go peacefully, protest peacefully, if he was looking to do something other than that? Because that's what he said. Here's Donald Trump 7. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. I heard him say it peacefully and patriotically. Now, listen, he spoke for about an hour, I believe. He probably should have said it more than once. It just wasn't a good day for Trump. You know, he said it once in an hour speech. He did say it. I played it. So I'm defending Donnie, baby. But he only said it once. And then he never did anything once it started. Wasn't a good day. But certainly, again, not nearly as bad. Listen to this uh, this Benny Thompson out of Mississippi. Here's Benny Thompson one. Donald Trump had his days in court to challenge the results. He was within his rights to seek those judgments. In the United States, law-abiding citizens have those tools for pursuing justice. He lost in the courts, just as he did at the ballot box. And in this country, that's the end of the line. Here's one more. Trump, okay, that is was only two? the beginning of what became a sprawling, multi-step conspiracy aimed at overturning the presidential election, aimed at throwing out the votes of millions of Americans, oh, no. your yeah. votes, your voice, uh, and our shut democracy. Up. God, yeah. uh, play this, number five, Liz Cheney. She's become the face of January 6th. Well, she's so I'm damn it. upset because they, they took her off that... that uh, you know, that uh, group she was on there, I and mean, everybody hates her guts. Uh, Liz Cheney, number five, go ahead. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. The attack on our Capitol was not a spontaneous riot. Intelligence available before January 6th identified plans to, quote, invade the Capitol, occupy the Capitol, and take other steps to halt Congress's count of electoral votes that day. There she was, Liz Cheney, last night, talking about premeditated Donald Trump set the whole thing up. I mean, it's so ridiculous. But listen. Uh, they've got the floor. I, I don't know what the ratings were last night. I don't know anybody who watched it, but then again... It couldn't have been good. They're right. I don't really hang out with folks that um, hate Republicans and bow to the author of Liz Cheney. My daughter Ava, for example, she's as close as it gets, but she wasn't going to watch the January 6th riot hearings last night. So if you're out there and you actually did watch this, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222, and you saw something that you hadn't seen before, you heard something you hadn't heard before, and now maybe you're like, oh, my God, it really was all that awful. I'd love to hear from you. I think. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. I'm just looking for a reason to get these uh, listeners involved. Right. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it is time for the 77 WABC Clip of the Day. Every Saturday night starting at 10 after Cousin Brucey, Music Radio 77 WABC presents Saturday Nights with the great Tony Orlando, brought to you by Goya. Oh, one of my favorites. Here Tony talks about the great Carol King. Talk about background singers. 
You guys remember a group called the Cookies? Yeah, they were big in the doo-wop days. Well, they sang backgrounds on most of Carol's songs, and they sang background on that one, but they had an additional background singer with them, and that was Carol King. And there she is, doo-wopping away. You know, she's doing the shot at up dups on a song that she wrote. In the same month, she wrote, Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? You know, and I had the pleasure of recording Halfway and Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow on the first album. And my Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow was even recorded before the Shirelles. This is Sid on Sports. Oh, my goodness! Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. Well, it was a bad night. And I'm not talking about January 6th. The Rangers... I don't know. Listen, uh, they're about to play their sixth elimination game this postseason. They had three of them against Pittsburgh. They won all three. They had two against Carolina. They won them both. Now you're talking about a much more difficult task, taking on the two-time reigning Stanley Cup champ, Tampa Bay Lightning. They'd have to win the next two, including one on the road. They have not won a game on the road this series. And why is that? Because they were severely outplayed again last night, 3-1 by Tampa Bay. Since the second period of Game 3, the Lightning have outscored the Rangers 10-2. And here was Palat's game-winning goal last night. Kucherov poked it back for Stamkos. Across it comes for Sergachev. Toward the net, he scores! Again! From just inside the blue line! 2-1 to one Lightning with 1.50 to go! They get one more, 3-1 your final, call courtesy of ESPN. Once again, the Lightning have a chance now with a win tomorrow at home to move on to their third consecutive Stanley Cup final appearance. The winner will take on the Colorado Avalanche. Later on tonight, game four of the NBA Finals from Boston. The Celtics lead that series over the Golden State Warriors two games to one. The first place Mets were off yesterday. Of course, they're back at it later on today. But the Yankees, best record in baseball they played, beat up on Minnesota 10-7, to hit home runs all over the place, including this one from a Gallo brother. Gallo tomahawks that deep into the night. My goodness, what a blast from Joey Gallo. (laughs) Joey Kid Blast Gallo. Yankees win 10-7. They lead Tampa Bay by seven games. The Yanks at 41-16, the best record in Major League Baseball. Sports brought to you by Pete Morgan, Peerless Spoilers. Check them out, PeerlessSpoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com. They do build America's best boilers. Joe Pinion live in studio at 9 o'clock this morning with sports. I'm Sid. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. King, I, I say to Justin, who's running the board today because Lou took office. 
says the car is messed. Who knows? Well, he didn't take off. Hopefully, he's going to be here at some point in time. Sure. Right, go with that. So I say, play Now and Forever by Carol King, because Tony Orlando was talking about Carol. I love Carol. And so he just plays Now and Forever by Richard Marks, which I love this song. I love it. I'm a big Richard Marks fan. So it's okay, but I don't know how you can confuse Richard Marks with Carol King, but that's what makes you Justin Ellis. What I did was you gave me the song title. I searched it I in our said library. Carol King. Well, I, yeah, I understand that. I yeah. assumed it was Carol King. It's not like it said Now and Forever by Richard Marks. Oh, it, just said, it just said Now and Forever. Okay, then that's fair. Okay, fine, fair. Go with that. Let's uh, talk to some of these folks. I did ask for a couple of phone calls. We'll go with it early. We're going to talk to Joe Pinion live in studio. This uh, lovely young actress, Alexandra Vino, you're going to love her. She's in town at the Manhattan Film Festival promoting uh, her new movie. And she's done a lot of really big stuff, by the way, really big stuff. And maybe she'll get uh, help me with my acting career. And maybe John Solomon. I like this guy, John Solomon. He's great with John Katsimatidis. And he was great with Katz yesterday. Cats at night, what a great show. Talking about January 6th. So let's see if we can get Solomon on this morning. Let's uh, go quickly to Gary in Millville, New Jersey. He's online, too. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, Sid. Good show. Hope Thank Bernie's you. doing all right. You got it. Listen to you guys every day, but never call unless I got something to say. Good. Well, let's hear it. Me and four of my buddies went down that day. And we all have two things in common. We're all retired from law enforcement. We were all the rank of lieutenant in different departments, and we're all Vietnam veterans. One of our thank you for your service. So yes, thank you. One of our group is a Silver Star recipient. Mm-hmm. We did not go down there to overturn the government, and you know we just wanted to kind of see what we're saying and get away from the wives for a day. <laughs> right. And you know we rent, <laughs> we we rented a uh, stretch to go down there. My one buddy went to the Walt. He wanted to get a rubbing of a guy he served with. But most of the people we saw were like us. A lot of veterans, a lot of grandparents. Yeah. And, you know, again, what happened in Portland, Oregon, Seattle, Washington. Right. I, I hate, I, I hate to, I, I have to, I have to run here, Gary. Uh, thank you for your service. And I know I spoke to a lot of folks like you, Gary, who went down there that day. The overwhelming majority of you folks the overwhelming majority caused no trouble at all. It was a very small percentage of the audience that day that acted like a bunch of jerk-offs. And uh, now we've got to pay the price. And poor Donald Trump and Woody Giuliani, all these otherwise fine men, have to listen to this nonsense. All right, take a short break. More of Bernie and Sid on a Friday right after this. Now and forever I will be your man Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
Tony Orlando. Gonna get Tony in the studio one of these days. The Music Radio Weekends here at WABC. They are great. I love that kid, Vinnie Madunia, out of uh, Staten Island. Cousin Brucey, well, come on. Legend. Tony Orlando, legend. Joe Piscopo, Sinatra, legend. Amazing job, John has done. Amazing job with this station, which was in the dumper. Not because of Chad Lopez. Chad is a great, great visionary, great young mind, but got no help from Cumulus. I mean none. This poor bastard, he went to work with his hands tied every day. He had great ideas, and uh, John and Margot have allowed Chad to implement those ideas. And uh, now the think tank we've got here, there's a lot of folks in Bob, George, Emily, Pankow, I know. I don't leave people out, but uh, those three certainly are the head of it, John, Margot, and Chad. And, man, they've done a tremendous job, tremendous. And they allow me and Bernie to do our thing every morning. I mean, I think maybe two or three times, maybe, I've gotten a text from John. Uh, what was that? <laughs> Otherwise, they just let us do our thing, and it's paying dividends, certainly, with the great ratings, and uh, you know, people are talking about this show all over town. Right now, today, there may be folks on their way to Hofstra University as we speak on Long Island, getting ready for this big radio day. Again, in our business, it's a big day. You don't care. But uh, in our business, it's a Talkers Magazine is a big deal. A lot of folks come in from other cities that have a chance to speak to the radio audience today. They do stream it live, and they're probably listening right now going, damn, I didn't realize how good it was. But, um, and they'll copy me, of course, and they'll do my, my stuff on their show, and they'll take credit for it, which is okay because I've stolen everything I do from Stern, I Miss, Mike and the Mad Dog, and others. So that's how it works. Nobody has recreated the wheel here in radio, nothing new is being done. You can have all these sticky, stupid, you know, contests and games. And yeah, I remember once getting in this uh, huge fight with Craig Carton. Craig, of course, you know his story. He's a uh, big success now, uh, out of prison and hosting afternoons at WFAN. And I've been friends with Craig for the better part of 25 years. I like Craig Carton. He's had his difficulties. I've got the same issues. He's a little deeper, obviously. But he, um, he's come out, and he's done a great job. That show with Evan gets big ratings. He's got his own TV show on Fox Sports 1. Good for Craig. He's a good kid at heart. But we had this huge fight one time because during the college basketball championship, everybody tries to do something funny, you know, because, well, we don't really care about college basketball, so let's take the brackets and do something fun. And he decided back at WNEW, we, called, we hosted a morning show together all the way back in 2000. Remember the station back then? They had... The Leslie Gold, the radio chick, and Ron and Fez and Don and Mike and this unbelievable duo named Opie and Anthony that were getting great ratings in the afternoon. And so Craig and I took over when we got rid of Scott Kaplan. He became my new partner. He took over right away because he had hosting experience. And he decided the bracket was going to be Italian food. So, like, the one seed would be chicken parmesan and the 16 seed would be rigatoni bolognese. I'm like, what is this? This is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Let's talk about the basketball. Now, what's funny about that is, is as I've evolved in my radio career, I find myself not doing something as silly as that. That was silly. But spending less time talking about the minutia, whether it's politics and or sports, and doing more entertaining stuff. That was Carton's idea way back when. I just didn't like that specific way of doing the bracket. But, I, but now I can appreciate what he was trying to do. But I had, a, I had a huge fight with Craig about it. I walked outside the studio, went home, didn't come back to work. <laughs> but what do you know? What? 
You're such a baby. No, no, I was very upset back then. Yeah, but I, you know, you got like such a short like leash. Well, you know what happened was they mm. they hired me and and Scott it was part of a deal we made. CBS Sportsline got uh, was able to advertise fantasy sports, and in exchange, they needed a morning show. Jeremy Coleman and Ken, I forget his name, out of D.C. So they literally traded Sportsline out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida, me and Scott to New York in exchange for commercials. <laughs> and we ended up doing mornings. Here we were on like 60 markets across America. We were at that time, we were, uh, what do you call that, uh, syndicated by Joel Hollander and Westwood One, my good friend Joel, Chad's good friend. We were on like 60 dumpy markets outside of L.A., Kansas City, and Vegas. And now we're doing a morning show in New York. At that time, Howard Stern was still on terrestrial radio. He wasn't on Sirius XM. Imus was having the, the best days of his career. Scott and Todd were kicking ass at PLJ. Elvis Duran was a star. And here comes, you know, two Jews out of Fort Lauderdale who no one's ever heard of, Scott and Sid, trying to compete. And we didn't. You know, we got our asses kicked. But um, but they, they did bring us in, and then when they fired Scott, they made me the host. And then, you know, here comes Craig Carton, who already had a checkered past, got into trouble in Philadelphia for his Eric Lindro story. And he came in for the first two weeks, and he was more than happy to just be a co-host and let me run the show. And by the way, I was terrible. Terrible. Second year of my career, at, at that point, Carton was ten times better. I'm the first to admit it. He should have been hosting. But you know what? When you come in, and I'm the host... Yeah, you can't, you can't, don't, don't be so bullish about it. And I remember coming in after two weeks and seeing Craig Carton's feet up on my desk, sitting by my microphone. Yeah, but that's, you know, he, he was, um, he, he was, was trying, to, he was trying to ingratiate you. Well, he wasn't. He was, he, he was trying to take over. What's the matter with you? <laughs> well, I was so angry. I just, and I couldn't work with him after that. That was it. And we spent mm. the next 10 years bad mouthing each other. Mm. I was on the fan. He was on 101.5, the Jersey guys, whatever the hell they call them, him and Ray Rossi, and we hated each other. Uh, we've since made up, and now I love the guy, but I was really angry. Like, hey, I brought you in. I got you hired. You don't just walk into my seat yeah. after a couple of weeks because the truth is, yes, you were, you were more talented. Not anymore. Now it's even. But uh, back then you were better. I admit it. But, you know, wait a little bit, you know, just to show a little gratitude. Right. Anyway, I'm bitching like a little baby. I yeah, know. yeah, you are. You know, I I, uh, I often say that I move on from these things. And no, but you don't. No, no you, you you tend to harp on them for years and years and years. <laughs> That's not true. It's it's uh, really remarkable stuff. I... That's what Lou Rufino says. He says that for somebody as talented and uh, all that stuff with me, that uh, he, he thinks I'm one of the most tortured souls he's ever met. And he worked with Imus for 30 years. Yeah, that checks out. He's right? <laughs> yeah, it checks out. Yeah. yeah, but I'm just reading. I have a script in front of me. It's the Lou Ruffino script. It's you know little uh, <laughs> Lou Ruffinoisms that I can. Yeah. Uh, have we heard from Lou Ruffino? I have not heard from him. He's uh, he's giving me no updates whatsoever. And to be honest, it's um it's, it's a weird. little bit concerning. Yeah, I actually texted him. Are you okay? He's always very quick to get back to me, and he texted me back nothing. So yeah, he well, must he must be really hammered. I mean, he must. I mean, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, come on, I mean, like, your car broke down. Your phone <laughs> yeah, still works, presumably. Jesus Christ! He's the only guy that could still find what's that booze they make in like Kill, Mississippi? Grain alcohol. Moonshine. Oh, uh, moonshine! Yeah, he finds that in Rockaway. I have no idea how he does it. Here's some more Carol King. We got three great guests coming up. Hour number two. I'm in a particularly good one today, and that was a great hour. Keep it right here, Bernie and Sid on a Friday. Uh, 
Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Friday edition of the number one Nielsen-rated news talk show in New York City, the self-proclaimed best talk show in the country. I don't care who you're talking about. Hannity, even Russian, he was alive. God bless him. I don't care. Better show right here. Best show in New York City. Best show in the country, Bernie and Sid. Bernie's not here today. Still great, but it's uh, certainly great when he's here. He'll be back on Monday. I haven't heard from Bernie since Monday, so uh, I don't know what's going on. Again, last we spoke... He called me to tell me that Rob Bastarino wanted to talk to me. And then he said uh, he felt very confident he'd be back on Thursday this week. And I have not heard from him since. That was 2 o'clock Monday afternoon. So I'm assuming, just like every month, he's got his four days of chemo in. He probably feels like, oh, garbage today. I didn't say it. And uh, I expect he'll be back on Monday and maybe talk with him over the weekend. But uh, either way... We've got Joe Pinion stopping by today. He's running against Chuck Schumer. Yes, Chuck Schumer. Give me that uh, quote from Chuck Schumer. Only a couple of days removed from this uh, murder attempt. I, I said this yesterday, a uh, murder attempt. It's beyond silly. Stop. The kid uh, showed up. He drove, I guess, from California, this uh, psycho, to Chevy Chase, Maryland. And he had all kinds of stuff. He had a gun. He had a knife. He had duct tape. He had rope. He had all the things you would need to break into a house tie up some people, and commit a heinous act like murder. But he didn't do any of it. He, uh, he saw a couple of marshals. He freaked out. He called the cops on himself. He said he was suicidal, and uh, they arrested him. So I don't know how we really call that a murder. I mean, he did drive state lines with weapons, with the intent, but no one, he, he didn't try. He didn't try. I mean, you know, no, they stopped him. They shot him. He just said, ah, I'm not going to do it. So I think murder attempt is a bit much. But it's still, like I said yesterday, a very scary, very scary situation if you're, if you're Brett Kavanaugh. Well, they called it, I, I think legally it's a murder attempt. I know so they have to call I, it right, that. Right, they have to call it that. But it's about the lamest murder attempt ever. Anyway, um, we had a little back and forth yesterday with people like Bill O'Reilly. Bill O'Reilly says you can't blame rhetoric like Chuck Schumer I do. And then somebody got mad at me. They're like, whoa, 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 Sid, you know, you're, you're so hypocritical. You're quick to blame Chuck Schumer. But when Donald Trump, again, Donald Trump, it doesn't stop. 
What did Donald Trump ever say? I'm just curious. What did he ever say, including January 6th, that would lead somebody to shoot somebody? When did Donald Trump ever encourage anybody to go out there and shoot somebody? What? What? What am I missing? What? I don't know. Okay, thank you. I mean, did he ever say anything like this from Chuck Schumer? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind, really? and you will pay the price. Pay the price. Yeah. You won't know what hit you. You won't know what hit you. you. Go forward with these yeah. awful Trump never said anything like this. This was absolutely motivation for some psycho. I completely disagree with Bill O'Reilly. Uh, I understand that people are crazy. This guy was crazy regardless of what Chuck Schumer said, but all you need is a little push. You're crazy. All you need is a little push. And uh, Schumer gave it to him. And maybe it was also Liz Warren, Joe Biden. I don't know. I don't know exactly who he was listening to. But I can't just kind of push that aside. Well, that's what Schumer said, but it doesn't mean. Come on, Bill. So opinion is coming in today at 9. He's African-American. Check one of the boxes. We don't do that. Neither does Joe, but they do. Right. And he's really smart. He's, I think he's honestly the smartest man alive. Sans, no, that's sans Bernard no, that, McGurk. That's, that's ridiculous. I, it, he uses words that I've I've never heard well, of. I've never even dreamt but, of. But hearing. you're not that smart. He like speaks in old English, but in a modern way. It's honestly very. It's very attractive. Oh, it is Gay Pride Month. You have yeah. the opportunity right now to yeah. just come out and um, yeah, admit it. You could you know continue to travel around with this Russian girl Lisa, as if that's really true. And it's up to you. Well, I I think I'd prefer to just bottle it up until right. uh, until my late fifties, and then, <laughs> yeah, then you know when I'm married with three kids, then I'll right. then I'll drop the then, bomb on them. No, then you kill yourself, and right. then they yeah. go, all oh, the gays and the transgenders, they kill themselves yep. all the time. Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, Joe Pinion will be here at nine. This young, uh, lovely actress, Alexandra Vino, she dated. You're not going to believe this, Bo Deedle. We'll know who I'm talking about. She dated Marty Bregman's son, Michael, for years. Marty Bregman is not big in Hollywood. He's monstrous. And uh, she's in a movie that they're going to play at the Manhattan Film Festival tomorrow. I think they played it at the Tribeca Film Festival. I'm not sure. She's done a whole bunch of stuff out of the country, too, Bollywood, India. And um, she's going to help me in my acting career, I guess. So she'll be here at 925. And then, but first, I should say, coming up at 740, Talking about all these golfers, there's a big story now. You know, this uh, Phil Mickelson, who uh, has made, I don't know, over $100 million, I'm sure, on the PGA Tour. He's won six majors. Dustin Johnson, not that long ago, the number one golfer in the world. By the way, folks, he's married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter. And she's a piece of ass. Yeah. Did I just say that? You can't say that, right? Well, you just well, did. You, well, you can't say that. But you but, just did, so yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. Uh, what is her name? Paulina. I yeah. Thank yeah. But by God. Yeah. <laughs> now you did it, too. Anyway, uh, these are two of a lot of guys, a lot of guys, that have defected from the PGA Tour to this uh, Saudi Arabian League. You know, they, they took a lot of money, a lot of money, and uh, there's no question that's all it was about. And now they're going to, you know, get paid by a country that was, I guess, responsible for 9-11, at least partly, that um, in terms of human rights, doesn't get worse the way they treat women, the way they treat gays, and these guys don't care. Phil needs the money. He's got a gambling problem, and uh, so did I most of my life. But I'm not about to play golf with the Saudis. Then again, they didn't offer it to me. I keep getting asked every day, well, right. Sid, if the Saudis offered you the money, what would you do? And I say, I'd play. Yeah, yeah, you'd take it. But that, I, I would but, take but that doesn't mean you, should, you shouldn't get criticized. Well, I understand where, where the where the lesser-known guys are coming from that are playing in the league. 
because they probably need the money, and they're probably you know they right. th- this this league probably threw a bag of money well, at Phil, them that Phil, they hadn't seen in the PGA. But anymore. Phil needs the money because he's a degenerate. Yes. Phil, he's a Phil needs degenerate. Yeah. Dustin Johnson doesn't need the money. I agree with you. Sergio Garcia, Graham McDowell, Patrick Reed, Bryson DeChambeau, all these guys. So Beningo is a big time golfer. Big time golfer. He plays at some crappy course in New Jersey, I guess, every day with a bunch of guys who have nicknames out of the Sopranos. And uh, but he's a great sports guy. I think Joe Beningo is top five. I know we had Mike Francesa on the show a couple of days ago. We've had Christopher Mad Dog Russo on quite a bit. They are the two best ever. They, you know, I don't want to hear about Jim Rome or Dan Patrick or these guys. But Beningo is right there, and he'll join us at seven forty. What a beautiful you're day done? today! Yes, you're done. If you want to play golf, I don't play golf, but. What a beautiful day for that. So we'll talk to Beningo, Joe Pinion, Alexandra Vigno, and maybe John Solomon. Four great guests. But uh, let's get back to the matter at hand. Oh, oh, before we do that, the police chief in Uvalde yesterday came out and he defended the delay in confronting the gunman. Now, the report is, is that the police heard the shooting coming from the classroom. They knew. For a fact, there were dead kids and injured kids inside that classroom. And yet they still waited 77 minutes before they went in. And really it was all about that uh, the border guy who went in and actually killed the bad guy. Well, this guy, the police chief, has um, come out now and said they did the right thing. What do you, what do you, did you read this, uh, this column? Uh, no, but, uh... What he said was uh, but, they were waiting for the keys. There was, like, one key. Yeah. One goddamn key is how he said it. I know Mike Breen gets upset when I say that, but I'm just quoting what this guy said. Uh, one goddamn key, waiting for the keys, unable to break down the doors. The Avaldi uh, school's police chief said that these cops did the right thing because they were waiting for the keys. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I've locked myself out of my car you know, when I drove, when it wasn't suspended. Uh, in the past, I've locked myself out of my house. I've had to wait for keys. Danielle, come get me. Danielle, come get me. I don't know. It just, I mean, I, I get it. I get it. You need the key to get in. I get it. But not really. Not if you're not if you're a police department. I mean, don't you have like bombs and, and, and battering and, uh, rams? Yeah. Battery. Your kids are getting shot. Kids are getting or killed. Just take the take the butt of your machine gun that you've got and just right. break a window and get in there. I don't, I don't even know if any of that could happen, but just. To, to say that while kids are being executed, I'm waiting for the keys. Yeah. Well, it just sounds yeah. awful. Yeah, honey, where'd I leave my keys? Yeah. You know, by the way, I can't find my wallet today. Oh. My daughter, Ava, took my credit card out yesterday to buy lunch from uh, Claudette's Cuisine by Claudette's, which is a great place in the Rockaways. There's a couple of them. And she eats there every day. Every day. You know, I go to the, 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 the stop and shop with Danielle and, and the bagel store. We buy chicken salad, tuna salad, egg salad. And three or four days a week, that's my lunch. You know, I toast a couple of pieces of bread. I have my, my, my sandwich, and I don't spend extra money. My daughter spends $32 a day on this ridiculous. She's got to get the avocado toast every day. Now, what is with this? Every day, she's got to get a protein shake. She's got to get this. In the, every day, a $32 charge. So um, yesterday, she took my credit card from my wallet, and now I can't find my wallet. And she claims she never saw my wallet. Oh, well, Ava, how'd you get my credit card? It was outside the wallet already. That's a lie. Yeah. But what am I supposed to do? Now I can't find my wallet, so my, my Metro... Co- I have the credit card, thank God, because I had to pay the driver this morning, Freddie. But uh, my, my uh, Metro card, I got to travel back and forth today to get to the ferry. Don't have it. 
my key to get inside this building. I had a call and annoy you this morning. Don't have it. So, um, uh, you know, got to wait for the keys. Can't find my keys. Can't find my wallet. Thank God no kids died at my house because I can't find my wallet. I'm just saying it just sounds uh, it sounds really bad. It right? sounds very precarious, if you will. I think that's the wrong word here. Is it the wrong word? It yeah. sounded sounded right to me. But, you, but remember, you went to this uh, anus college yeah. on, on a baseball scholarship. I do that a lot. I just use words that don't really mean the right thing. Right, but, right, uh, right, right. you know, a majority of people don't know that. So I sound smart to like 65% of people. No, they know it. They think you're a moron, but they find you entertaining. Oh, okay. Well, either way. Yeah. Play these uh, three cuts. Benny Thompson, he's the chair at the stupid January 6th hearings. He's uh, out of Mississippi. And he goes on and on about how, you know, Cheney's great and Trump is no good. And, uh, you know, the democracy as we know it is coming to an abrupt end. And, and the world is in big trouble because Benny Thompson says so. Here he is. Donald Trump had his days in court to challenge the results. He was within his rights to seek those judgments. In the United States, law-abiding citizens have those tools for pursuing justice. He lost in the courts just as he did at the ballot box. And in this country, that's the end of the line. But for Donald Trump, that was only the beginning of what became a sprawling, multi-step conspiracy aimed at overturning the presidential election, aimed at throwing out the votes of millions of Americans, your votes, your voice in our democracy, and replacing the will of the American people with his will to remain in power after his term ended. You know, I haven't watched one second of this, and um, I've gotten in fights, uh, even more than Bernie, with guys like Peter King, Max Rose, and others, about how really exaggerated this day has become. You know, MSNBC has talked about this day every day since January 6th. Every day. Joe and Mika, at least one segment on this. And it's insulting. It really is. So I don't cover it. I don't talk about it. I don't care. Uh, Again, uh, I don't think Donald Trump did anything bad that day other than his response time. I commend Rudy Giuliani on all of his hearings and all the gross misconduct he discovered in a bunch of states. And he also took a beating yesterday. We'll get to that, too. Rudy Giuliani. He did nothing wrong. you know. But um, it didn't stop these people from going on and on. And we'll play it throughout the day. It's the only day I'll cover it, I promise. Because, again, I think it's the most exaggerated day in the history of this country. Really is. Psychedelic furs. Heartbreak beat. I'll be right back. Heartbreak beat. The digital dollar could give the feds control of your money. Get the digital dollar report. Call 1-800-862-6970 and also receive a $1,000 credit from Priority Gold to protect your money. Or just go to digitaldollarreport.com. Please note, the information provided does not constitute financial or investment advice. Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Friday, I noticed actor Robert De Niro on Colbert's late-night propaganda program saying President Biden is doing a good job. My question, how is that possible? By every measure, Mr. Biden is in trouble. As Americans realize, things are not going well in this country. But De Niro dissents. Is he dumb? No, he's not. Is he lying? 
No, he actually believes Biden is governing effectively because De Niro is an ardent liberal. And he believes what he wants to believe. No facts involved. Remember Saddam Hussein's mouthpiece, Baghdad Bob? Now we have Hollywood Bob. Mr. De Niro doesn't have to worry about rising gas and food prices because he's wealthy. He also hates Donald Trump, who managed the economy pretty well. So much does he hate Mr. Trump that De Niro would never admit his vote for Biden was foolish. So Bob De Niro lives in a false world, and he's not alone. However, most working Americans cannot afford to live in a false world. They have to pay bills. They don't have the luxury of affluence that Bobby De Niro has. In the real world, President Biden's administration is delivering a heavy dose of pain to most Americans. People who don't care much what De Niro or Colbert believe. And those voters, in turn, will deliver a heavy dose of pain to the Democrats in November. That is the Morning O'Reilly Update. More analysis later on. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Now, Justin, hysteria. One of those kick-ass songs. Get you going on a Friday morning. Gorgeous Friday morning. Temperatures hovering around 80 degrees today. It's in the 60s now. Going to be sunny all day. Much nicer than the rest of the weekend. I think we get nice again on Monday. I can't complain. I've got an August tan in June anyway, but... I do, um, I do a show outside times like this, and now, of course, I've got to stay in the city all day to take Gaby and his friend Elijah back via the ferry at 3.15. So I'm going to work out here in the city today. And I'm working out at the YMCA by my house. And I like it there. People are very, very nice. They do have a Black Lives Matter sign above the pool, which makes me wretch every time I walk in, literally. But um, it's a nice place. But today I work out at the New York Sports Club here on the east side, 41st and 3rd to be exact. So, you know, people go, why do you tell people all the time where you're going to be? There's a lot of psychos out there that hate me. And that's true. They hate me. My God, I read this stuff every night. It's incredible. Uh, what they don't understand is the more they write, the 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 uh, harder my erection gets. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. You like uh, you like that. You, I love you that. You like that stuff. I love it. 
because here's what I know. Uh, you know, the guys that have been great in this business are the guys that people either love or hate. If you're Vanilla, they kind of like you. That's great. Nice. You'll make a nice salary. You'll stick around for 30 years and no one's going to care. You know, but when they when they really love you or they really hate you, that is a success. And I've got that, you know, and I've got it because I bought the book, the same book. I keep mentioning the same guys over and over again with that talkers radio conference today. You'll have a lot of guys and ladies up there speaking today about how they do it. That's what Michael Harrison does. You know, he'll bring in some lady from Vegas, some guy from Philly, some guy from California. And, um, you know, they'll ask a question, either the moderator. Uh, for example, for years they used to bring me there to talk about how I get young people to listen to a station that has old people that listen. This station, for example, our demo, is older. You know, not a lot of 19-year-old kids are shutting off Elvis Duran to listen to Bernie and Sid. But... But you'd be surprised how many 30-plus-year-old kids are listening. I think you folks don't realize that. Not everybody is in their 60s and 70s. Now, I can't say that about Cousin Brucey, maybe, or Tony Orlando, or maybe the other shows throughout the day. But we have our fair share of younger folks. Those young people do care now about what's going on with the country. We have a lot of women, a lot of women. In fact, I would venture to guess uh, probably even men and women so, for example, I would sit on this uh, panel, which I'll do today at Hofstra University. It's a big radio day. I thought you said you're not going. Well, I'm not. I'm saying what I did in the past. Oh. And they go, well, Sid, well, how do you do it? You know, And I'd say, well, I talk about things that are current. Now, I don't mean you know, what's happening on page six. You know, I don't try to sound like I know what's going on when it comes to a rapper. I don't know. Don't care. Or some young TV star. I mean, yes, I did have an opportunity to shoot a movie with people like Lucy Hale, 24 million followers, Emile Hirsch, big-time young people. But I'm not aware of all that stuff. So I just try to make young references. I don't know if that makes sense because I have two kids. So I'll talk about music that Avon gave me, like, or a TV show that Avon gave me, like. And I try to keep it as, um, you know, as entertaining as can be, you know, because... The old, you know, the old people, they don't want to hear that stuff, you know. They get all offended. They send emails to John and Chad. Why did Sid say penis this morning? Why does he feel the need to do that? Why does he think he's this guy? And all that, you know. And uh, what they don't understand is is that uh, the, the show is doing really, 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 really well because one of the things that I pride myself on is the unpredictability. You don't know what you're going to hear next from me. You know why? Because I don't know what I'm going to say next. You know, I, I can't tell you how many times I'd sit here with Bernard when he was here. And he'll be back on Monday. I miss him and love him. And uh, he'd say, what are you talking about? What are, what, are we, what are we talking about the next segment? And i go, I don't know. And you'd hear, like, Lou or Justin go, 60 seconds. And he's like, how about now? I go, I don't know. And then 13 minutes later, Bernie would go, that was unbelievable. How do you do that? <laughs> like, Bernie comes armed with audio. He knows what he's going to talk about. He sends Justin an email, 1 o'clock every morning with the 40 pieces of audio, so he knows I'm going to tackle January 6th, I'm going to tackle Luvaldi, Texas, and he's great at it. Not good at it, great at it. But I'm, I'm a talker. I just, I don't need audio, I don't need stories, I just, I can, you put the damn mic on, and I'm going to entertain you for four hours. Yeah. But I don't. I mean, today, so for instance, today we have 12 audio cuts. 12. But on a day when both you and Bernie would be here, we would have 50. 55. Right. Just don't do that. I just, you know, I'd like to talk. And oftentimes I'll get Bernie involved in a conversation, which I think is the best part of our show. And there are no cuts. It's just me and him talking. About it. I'll ask him his opinion. He's a bright guy. He's the smartest guy. Not uh, well, Joe Pinion is right there with him. 
But um, we get we get involved in these conversations, and I ask him questions, and he's always got really smart answers. Always. Well, I heard a lot of Harry Wilson advertisements this morning. Yeah, those are the ones. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, they're. Yeah, you know who told Harry to advertise on this station? You. Yeah, me. That's right. Yeah, Harry uh, sent me a very nice text yesterday. We're going to yeah. have lunch one day next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, what do you want me to tell you, folks? Well, this was the same guy who a month ago you were like, uh, you know, Bernie would bring him up or he would come well, up Bernie, somehow. No, 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 Bernie never brought him up. Ever. No, I he, brought him up once yeah. in a while, but I would bring him up and go, oh, that other guy who yeah. likes Alvin right. Bragg. Who's got yeah. no shot whatsoever. That guy. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, then he reached out. What do you want me to tell you? No. And he turned out to he's a nice guy. No. Very nice guy. So. Exactly. And, and a very smart guy. Exactly. And uh, if he wins, I'll take him over Hochul nine days a week. Mm. So, uh, but, but for some reason, him and Astorino and Giuliani, they, they care yeah. about uh, what I care about. And, and, and they, they, they all want my endorsement. I don't know why. I, I don't, some, I, listen, it's, it's been racking my brain all week. I know. Me too. I, I don't understand it. We're having dinner, me and my beautiful wife, Danielle, with Andrew Giuliani tomorrow night. I'm having lunch with Harry Wilson on Tuesday. So you're, getting, to... you're like whining and dined. You're like getting whined and dined. Well, yeah, basically that's right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, you, you can't pay for that dinner. Oh, yeah, I'm paying for that dinner. Oh, you, with Andrew Giuliani? 100%. But he's the one trying to win you over. That's correct. He's already won me over. He's trying to do anything. I love the kid. Right, I, I understand, but I they're looking. But they're looking for an official endorsement. Well, there's from no you. question about it. Right, right. So it's not like all of a sudden they want to be my friend. I mean, I've been here forever, you know. Yeah, but wouldn't the least they could do is buy you dinner. I don't want them to. Okay, I'm sure he could. I mean, I don't think that uh, Andrew also cut, cut some commercials here yesterday. Yeah, they, so. they're all in here. They're yeah, all. They're in all, here. all in here. Is Astorino in here? Yeah. Oh. Or he was, he was as, as uh, recently as, like, last week. Oh, week that's great. Oh, good. Well, that's great. I like that. All right, very, very good. You know, the, I, th- I think the first debate is Monday. That's part of the reason why we're getting together on uh, Saturday. Yeah, that sounds about right. You know, this uh, Chris Libertini is such a jackass. What's he saying now? He's, first of all, he's the best sound guy I've ever had. And I've been in this business now for 23 years. He is one of the most talented Radio people. I know I say a lot of nice things. I mean this about Chris Libertini. He's got great instincts, great historical reference. He's a real radio guy. I love the guy. He sends me this. Andrew Giuliani is going to show you a picture of he and I. Uh, he was wearing the MAGA hat. I'm wearing you a Bernie and Sid shirt. What he doesn't know is that Andrew sent me this about 19 hours ago. Right. But he's all over it. Now he claims he rolls deep with Andrew Giuliani, who, by the way, uh, as of this morning, has no idea what Chris's name is. No idea. <laughs> no idea. Uh, play that De Niro thing for me quickly. Uh, I know Bill O'Reilly talked about this in his morning message. And I still love Robert De Niro. I will not not go see his movies. He's a complete idiot. He really is. And and he's he's handled the whole presidential thing really poorly. In fact, at one point, he threatened to punch Donald Trump across the face. Calm down, Bobby, baby. You're like 90 years old. I know you're a tough guy in the movies. I get it. You play a great mobster. But uh, let's be honest, Robert. You can't beat anybody up at this point. But anyway, you know, he loves Biden because he hates Trump. That's the answer. So he actually goes on Stephen Colbert's show which is one big Democrat propaganda machine. That's all that is. It's complete garbage. Goes on there last night and says Biden's doing a good job. I mean, you come on, Bobby. Baby. You, know, you could still hate Donald Trump and admit that Joe Biden sucks a garden hose like Linda Lovelace. Don't go out there and say he's doing a good job. That's ridiculous. He was De Niro last night. Having a new guy at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, has that, have you sleep any better at night? Yes. <laughs> Idiot. God. Seriously. De Niro. 
He's, uh, you know, he, he got us into calm waters. That was yeah. always the idea. Yeah. What? He's doing a very good job. It's a tough one. I couldn't imagine. <laughs> Robert De Niro. Joe Biden is doing a very good job. One of the great actors in my lifetime. I love him. I revere his acting ability. He's a moron. Not because he's stupid. He's not stupid. He knows better. But he's so hateful that he goes on TV and embarrasses himself. And I'm sorry, Chaz Palmateri. I know you love Bobby. You all love Bobby, 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 Bobby. Moron. Stop it. You're smarter than that, De Niro. Please stop. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. later christopher cross for some reason calms me i love this song sailing as i spit a piece of bagel out of my mouth it is 744 on your sun splash gorgeous friday morning in new york city on the number one nielsen rated news talk show in new york and the self-proclaimed best talk show in the country we are bernie and sid bernie out again for treatment he'll be back on monday one of the stories that is getting a lot of play uh, besides January 6th and Ivaldi, is this golf story. So you got all these uh, big-time golfers, guys like Phil Mickelson, Hall of Famers, won six majors, made tons and tons of money. Well, he uh, decided to uh, leave the PGA, basically, and take a lot of money from Saudi Arabia. Same thing with Dustin Johnson, not that far removed from being the number one golfer in the world. And others, many guys, Patrick Reed, Bison DeChambeau, the list goes, Sergio Garcia, the list goes on and on. And uh, yesterday, the PGA decided to suspend these guys, maybe forever. And they said, look, they took the money, that's great, good for them, but they ain't going to play here. Saudi Arabia, partly responsible for 9-11, that's blood money right there. Those folks, they throw gays and women off the roofs. We don't want to deal with that. So a lot of people are upset. So let's talk to a guy that actually knows about golf, plays golf every morning, and is a legend on top of that, the great Joe Beningo. Good morning, Joseph. Sydney Arthur, first of all, Ride Like the Wind is better than Sailing by Christopher Cross. <laughs> okay, number, I like that. Number two, I don't know what was the bigger disgrace last night, the January 6th hearings at a Ranger game. I don't know, it was close. It I was close. You. Uh, you know, here you are, you're up to, and Joe and I are both diehard Ranger fans, if you didn't know that, uh, going back uh, many, many years ago to the days we worked together, hosting middays at WFAN yep. in yep. the early 2000s. You're up two games to nothing. You got a 2 nothing game on the lead, uh, on the road in game three. And you're well on your way to going up 3 nothing. And now I know they did it against Pittsburgh. I know they did it against Carolina. This team has won two straight Stanley Cups. It ain't going to happen. So very depressing way, I think, the season is about to end. 
Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. I'm very concerned. Look, you know what the problem is here, bro? And like you said, look, they won an elimination game in Pittsburgh. They won the seventh game in Carolina. Well, they won three elimination games in Pittsburgh and two against Carolina, don't forget. Well, they won, but, but in Pittsburgh, that game six, right. only one right. of the elimination games was in Pittsburgh. Right, that's six. true. Right. And the same thing with game seven in Carolina. Look, they've... They're 5-0 and in elimination games, but they're playing this. This is a dynasty freaking team they're playing. If they get to – they'll only be the second team – this is amazing to me – only the second team in the history of, of hockey to go to three straight Stanley Cup finals. Only the Islanders that went to five in a row and from 80 to 84 – have done that. That's amazing to me. It so, is yeah. amazing. And, you know, you mentioned the Islanders, and, of course, everybody knows the names. Mike Bossy, Brian Trotchier. Yeah. They're all Hall yeah. of Famers. Potman, Billy Smith. Yeah. You even know you know Al Arbor. You, you know everybody, even in the front office. You'll be hard-pressed for any even rabid sports fan to say John Cooper. They think that's the guy that coached Ohio State in college football. Right. He's right. got to be the guy who's like the winningest coach ever who nobody knows. Well, all these guys are Hall of Fame. I mean, Victor Hedman's going to the Hall of Fame. Stam Coast, uh, uh, Nikita Kucherov. I mean, all these these guys are all freaking Hall of Fame. The, the, the goalie too, but they're not nearly the, as the big. Too, right? But they're National not nearly SC as too. big in hockey lore as Mike Bossy or Dennis Potvin. No, 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 no. But the, but you know they're you know they win three in a row. They won they won ten straight uh, playoff series. I think only that Islander team had won more. Maybe there was another one. Maybe the Canadians too. But I mean, you know. Look, who knows? You never know. They're still alive, but you can't feel very no, good about uh, Saturday night. And I tell you, you're talking about Tampa Bay and John Cooper. They've now been in the final six of the last eight years. They're on the way to the third straight Stanley Cup. They've been a, a dynasty, yeah. like you said. We got the same thing in the NBA. Same exact stat. Six times in eight years, like the Lightning, yep. the Golden right. State Warriors have been in the NBA Finals. But Steve Kerr, the coach, is such a jerk-off, I can't oh, even I appreciate can't. it. Please, don't even, I can't stand Steve. Don't get me started on Steve Carr, you know? Hey, Steve, how about saying something about China? How about it, Steve? You have plenty to say about this country. You have plenty to say about Donald Trump when, when Big Don was the president. How about talking about China and the Uyghurs or when they closed down uh, Shanghai? They wouldn't even let people out of their house right. about a month ago. How about you saying something about that? Nah, please. You know, as much as I as much as I hated the Celtics, the Bill Russell Celtics, and you know Dave Cowens and, and Hondo and all those guys, Larry, Larry Bird, Bird Celtics, and all of that. Right. As much as I hated them, I can't stand the Warriors. I hope the Celtics beat them, and I think they will. I think Boston's going to win. No, they are going to win. They're the better defensive team. They're up yep. two games yep. to one. But I, I was having this conversation with Leslie Visser on the show a couple of days ago. I, I mean, Joe. I remember the days when you had to have three Hall of Famers, whether it was, you know, Bird, Parrish, right. McHale, Magic, Worthy, Kareem, whatever. Right. I mean, again, you'll be hard-pressed outside of Steph Curry. I know Tatum is a great young player. Jalen right. Brown can play. Right. But you look at the, the names on these two rosters, it's hard to believe these are NBA Finals teams. Well, Clay Thompson, I mean, these guys have won oh, a lot. Oh, stop. Clay Thompson would have come but off I'm the just, bench for the Lakers. The only reason I'm, no, but the only reason I'm bringing him up is because these guys have won a lot of championships. Draymond Green, yeah. I can't stand the guy. But, I mean, he's, I mean, he's won, what, three championships? Uh, he's, mean, he, he's like a, he's a Dennis Rodman. He rebounds. He hits a shot once in a while. He's he an instigator. Not, he, is a, he is nowhere close. No, I know, but I'm saying Rodman. he's that type of player. Draymond Green is right. not going out there to score 40 points and win a game no, for you. No, no, no. But, that, but that, you know, don't, don't insult Dennis Rodman, okay? Please. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. All right, so we got the hockey and the basketball out of the way. The real reason why I had you on was to talk about golf. I'm going to take a very quick break because we care about the clock on this show. So you, that's become number one, Joe. It's very big <laughs> We'll come back with the legendary Joe Beningo right after this. Oh, 
on the Red Apple Podcast Network. In the name of love, goes out to uh, the great Irishman Paul Connell. You <laughs> two is classic at 7:53 on your Friday morning. Continuing our conversation with New York legendary radio voice and WFAN Hall of Famer Joe Beningo. Joe, we talked about the hockey, we talked about the basketball. You you love golf, you play all the time. You're actually pretty good at it. I I don't really play. I turn down huge tournaments uh, about three or four times a summer, but I do love to watch it. I'm up on it. And um, I, for one, am not happy that these guys took the money from Saudi Arabia, guys like Phil Mickelson, Dustin Johnson. Would I have done it? Yes. I'm the first to admit it. That doesn't mean they're not up for criticism. They took the money. The PGA is not easy to work with. I understand that. But that country, Saudi Arabia, what they do to women, what they do to gay people, 9-11, that is not the place to be taking money from. What are your thoughts on all these golfers defecting and taking money from Saudi Arabia? First of all, I think you two is your all-time favorite group. Yes, that's correct. That's right. I just, Very I just good. wanted to Very clarify good. that. Yeah. What do I think? I mean, look, first of all, there's a lot of – the PGA, there's a lot of things about the PGA that get me aggravated, okay? So we could we could go on with that. I, I Look, we understand the kind of country Saudi Arabia is, but if somebody comes up to you, I mean, I understand, you know, whether you're Dustin Johnson, whether you're Phil Mickelson, whether you're Sergio Garcia, you know, whoever it may be, Taylor Gooch, okay, who is uh, who also has gone there, Patrick Reed, whoever you want to talk about, um, you know, Graham McDowell, somebody comes up to you in the case of the DJ and says, here's $125 mil. And I understand the guy's got plenty of money. We know that, all right? Phil Mickelson, here's $200 million to help your gambling habit, okay? Whatever, all right? It's pretty hard to turn that money down, Sid. And I understand where it's coming from. I get it. But, you know it's hard for me to say to these guys, don't take the money. No, I, I, you I know, agree. And like you said, you do it too. Of I mean, course. It's hard, it's hard to kill these guys about that. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. You do things in life, and I've done many of them. Right. Uh, not uh, you. But, well, I mean, you've done a couple. Let's yeah. say, not say many. Yeah, by the way, so have you. Uh, but <laughs> on a serious note. But then, but I've you, done a couple. You've done yeah. many. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. But then you have to realize when you do it, Yes, I would do it, too. That's true. Uh, but when you do it, you are going to be criticized, maybe even right. taken to the woodshed. you got to live with that. Right. No, I agree. But you know what? They're going to let these guys play in the U.S. Open next week, okay, which they should. I mean, these guys, should, you know, they should be in the U- U.S. Open. Well, well no hold on. You know, it's not they're going to let them play. I don't believe the PGA Tour has any power with that tournament. Right, 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 right. right. No, no. Right. But, he, but, but they're playing. Right, they don't. You're right. But they're playing in that. And I think eventually the PGA is going to have to realize there's too many big names here for us to not let these guys continue to play in PGA uh, tournaments. Because you're only talking about six or seven tournaments with this uh, LIV, whatever the, whatever they call this thing. Yeah. I don't even know what they call it. LI, I think it's LIV. It, it is like LIV for the Roman numeral number of 54. And there's is a, that what that is? Yes. <laughs> yes. By the way, 54, I just want to mention, can I just say this? that this will be the 54th consecutive year that the Jets will not be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> and, and can I say this, too? 
Remember when the Rangers, it was 50, it took them 54 years from 1940 to win the cup in 94. Yeah. And that was like, you know, it was all, I mean, they used to chant 1940 and all that. Nobody cares that the Jets have been 54 years without a Super Bowl, right? Nobody, Nobody gives a damn. Nobody. I just want to point that out. No, you do. Joe Nolan does. I don't even think Joe Namath cares at this point. I think he likes it. I don't think he wants a team to ever win again. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. he doesn't. Yeah, because he's still the man. Hey, let me ask you, stick with Kyle for a second. The last time we yeah. saw Tiger, he was limping off the course right. on a Saturday after a brutal performance. PGA. Correct, right. correct. And I know we had that improbable win a couple of years ago, uh, and he was many, many years before that to get one a major. Exactly. But now, after this latest car accident, coupled with the back and knee issues, do you think Tiger Woods, A, will continue to play much longer, and B, ever win a big tournament again? You know what? I, that's a great question. You know what, Sid? You know, you go back to the Masters. He actually played pretty well the first two rounds of the Masters. And I think eventually it just catches up to him. You know, all the walking, I think that's what happened at the PGA as well. He eventually had to withdraw from the last round. He's not playing next week at the U.S. Open. He says he's going to play at St. Andrews in July in the Open Championship. Uh, The one thing I'll say, Sid, I would never count this guy out, okay? Uh, You know, uh, you want to say that Jack Nicklaus is the greatest golfer of all time, Tiger's the next guy, I don't know, it's pretty close. It's either him or the other one. It's either Jack or him. Uh, I would not count. I would never count Tiger out. I'll say that. I don't disagree with you, but um, I think it's close to counting him out. And I do believe he is second behind Nicholas. Not because he's won three right. less. It's eighteen fifteen. Just right. based on consistency, it was like Don Mattingly. Mattingly was was an amazing player, but you know he got hurt, and then he ended up with Kirby Puckett numbers. Anyway, let's. Which is not bad, by the way. Puckett's a right, Hall of Famer. By the way, they put Kirby Puckett in a Hall of Fame, but not Mattingly. But we'll leave it. We'll leave that alone. Well, that's for now. because but, but that's because if you look at Puckett's yearly stats, they were pretty consistent. And Don. Well, Here's why Puckett's in and Don Mattingly's not. He won two World Series with the Twins. That's, That's true, it. too. Right, true. Uh, 60 seconds to go, Joe, and uh, yes. you sound as good, if not better, than ever. And I know the fan listeners miss you dearly. No knock at Brandon and Tiki. They're doing a very good job. But I know they miss you very, very much. Uh, talk about the president, Joe Biden. He was on Jimmy Kimmel two nights what ago. Grace. Robert oh De Niro God. last night. How does he night, sleep at night? I, I, I don't know. I think he sleeps he's This guy has sold the country down the river. Let's be honest. He's in bed with the Chinese government. There's no doubt, as are so many people there. I mean, it's an absolute. How does this guy look in the mirror? How does he live? It's unreal. Well, how does he do it? You have people like Robert De Niro on with uh, Colbert last night saying he's doing a terrific job. Yeah, Robert De Niro's a joke. Who's he kidding to? Give me a break. Go do another uh, C class movie or something. Hollywood. Yeah, what a joke they are, too. Unbelievable. Yeah, you know, you're paying five-something for gas. These guys, you know, they all complain, oh, you know, the, the ridiculous climate change hoax and all that nonsense. Don't get me started. I'm, 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 I'm aggravated enough about the, about the Ranger game. Right? I know, I know. What time are you hitting the links today? Uh, I think 12 o'clock. Okay. I got to do my podcast. I got to rip the ranges now doing my podcast. How come you never um, invite me on the podcast? Well, let's do it. Let's go. You want to come on Monday? You're a busy yes. guy. I, I yes. do it. In, when do you want to do it? You tell me when. I want to I want to come on Monday. You want to come on Monday? Yeah. All right. I, all right. I'm going to give you a call. I'll all call right. You. Call. Let's see. Well, I'll call you over the weekend. You're not working, right? Nope. I'll be home. Call me over the weekend. I love you. This was a great appearance. As always, enjoy the golf. I'll talk to you uh, over the weekend, okay? All the love, bro. The great Joe Beningo, coupled with the great Fano. Two hours in the books. We are Bernie and Sid. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network.
conversation And it isn't just talk, talk, talk If I could only give you everything You know I haven't got I couldn't have one conversation If it wasn't for the lies, lies, lies And still I wanna tell you everything Till I close my eyes Suddenly I'm on the street Seven years disappeared Freedom Jackson, 805 on your sun-splashed Friday morning here in New York City, the Bernie and Sid show. Bernie out. He'll be back on Monday. And that's all I know. I've not spoken to Bernie since uh, 2 o'clock on Monday afternoon, but I love him, miss him, and he knows I think about him all day, every day. We've had uh, a great two hours. Joe Beningo, you know, it's funny, (laughs) and we'll get back to January 6th and all that nonsense, but um, I've only been nervous, Justin couple times in my career. Like, like legitimately nervous. Yeah. Uh, every day on Imus, I was nervous. Every day. Well, that, that, that makes sense. I loved it, and I hated it. I mostly hated it. Yeah. We've done with this a million times. He was just, um, he was impossible to work for. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's a mean guy. What are you going to do? Yeah, but it was worse than that. Like, when you come out of rehab, you can't say to somebody, I missed a guy that smoked crack. I mean, right. It was above and beyond mean. He was just, it was awful. That's what we would call enabling. Yeah. Yeah. And then you get these idiots like uh, Alan Sniffin on the message board. He's a nice guy, Alan, but he's the morons. That he led. Oh, come on. He was great. First of all, I miss, one of the reasons why I miss was great. And he was. I mean, he was a pioneer. He was, he was a, a, a great radio guy. Of course, I'll give him that, but... He surrounded himself with a lot of talent. I mean, for a lot of years, I was there. 20 years, in and out for 18 years to be exact. And I miss, you had Charles McCord, you had Sid Rosenberg, you had Mike Breen, you had Bernie McGurk, you had Lou Rubino, you had uh, Larry Kenny, you had Rob Bartlett. You had, I mean, it never ended. You know, I mean, when I miss had to carry the show by himself, it wasn't all that great. In the last couple of years, God, God rest his soul, it was awful. Now, you, you can kill me all you want. I don't care. I was there. I know what it was like. You know, Howard Stern, he can go on and on and talk for hours, and he's entertaining. You know, Don couldn't do that. He, he eventually started talking about Wyatt and the rodeo or something. Like that. It was terrible. So, but, I, but I was nervous every day because I remember one of the first days I worked at FAN, and I was, I was very intimidated and scared of Don. And I would be, I sat in the newsroom, all the way in the back, and there was a rule at the newsroom at WFBN that you couldn't look at Imus. You think I'm kidding? Mark Turnoff, it was a rule. So if Imus walked in with his uh, duffel bag and his cowboy hat, uh, you had to look down, basically, at your computer. You could not look at Imus. So he would walk into the newsroom, and everybody would shut up. He'd be having a great time, laughing about something the night before. Everybody would shut up, and he'd walk in. And I remember about a week or two into my, my stay, he walked over to me, and he didn't want me, don't forget. Mark Chernoff forced me on him, and he resented me for a while because of that until he figured out that I was going to be the quote-unquote comedic star of the show, which I ended up becoming. No disrespect to the rest of those guys, even Bernie. I became that guy. I was the guy that I was counting on to raise hell. He leaned over to me, and he said in my ear, and I quote, I need you to be funny today. And he walked away. <laughs> 
Now, I'm 30-something years old. I've got about 15 minutes yeah. of my career. That's all I've got, like 15 minutes, literally. He's making, at the time, I think, $13 million between CBS at FBN and MSNBC. And he needs me to be funny. Yeah. And then, and then you peed in your pants. Of course. So I was nervous every day. Every day. Um, I was very nervous the first time Howard Stern had me on as a guest. 45 minutes in the green room, terrified. Lisa G interviewing me from my walk in the green room to the studios at Sirius XM, sitting on the couch, Howard a couple of feet away, Robin behind the glass. Audie Lang was on the show at the time as well. He had replaced Jackie Martling. Very, very, very nervous. Well, you did a very good job with that one, though. I was okay. I wasn't very good. What happened was I came on to blast Imus. That's all Stern wanted to do. But I told you the story before. Literally a day before I was coming on Howard Stern, FAN brought me back to fill in for fat Chris Collin and do sports on Imus during Super Bowl week. So now I couldn't go on Stern and blast Don because I was actually going back to work for Imus the following week. So it was diluted. I couldn't do what I wanted to do and really what Howard wanted me to do. It was, it was, it was okay. It was good enough to get me the starring role as the host of Whack Pack Bowling on Howard TV, which I'm still very proud of. But uh, the third time, in order of, of how nervous I was, that I was nervous was my first talk show ever at WFN. I've never been nervous here, obviously. Uh, FAM, my first talk show. And I told you that Chernoff hired me to do sports on IMIS with the promise that when Susan Waldman leaves to go to the Yes Network 20 years ago, that he would make me the midday partner of Jody McDonald, which he did. And then eventually Mark Chernoff came to me and said, we're thinking about replacing Jody McDonald with Joe Beningo. Are you okay with that? And I said, of course. Beningo and I were already really good friends, great friends. And uh, it was exciting. And we had a good year and a half run. But the first talk show I did was talking about Beningo. I filled in for Joe Beningo on one overnight because he became an overnight star at WFAN after Captain Midnight, Steve Summers. Summers was the first overnight star. Then Beningo really ruled the overnights for many, many years. And my first show was to fill in for Beningo. And I thought I knew sports. I thought I did, working down in Miami. But, uh, you know, you get this guy, Short Al, from Brooklyn, asking me questions about the 1956 Brooklyn Dodgers you get this loudmouth Joe from Staten Island asking me about DiMaggio's Yankees. And it was five hours of the most nerve-wracking sports talk I'd ever done because this was a brand-new league. Down in Miami, all they talk about is the Dolphins, the Hurricanes. There's very little smart sports talk. Here, I'm on at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I'm actually speaking to people. People are listening at 3 o'clock in the morning on WFAN. And they're asking me these questions. I have no idea. And I have to tell you, I got everything wrong. Everything wrong. <laughs> I effed up that show like, like I did when I was a waiter at Manhattan Beach Jewish Center, and I dropped every soup bowl on the dance floor during a $25,000 wedding. <laughs> so that was the other time that I was nervous. and uh, But it was good, because once I got that under my belt, I was able to go on, eventually graduate to middays, and the rest, as they say is history. Now, let's get to last night's January 6th hearings, which is uh, the big news today. And again, I do this with a lot of hesitancy because I'd, um, I don't talk about this day because, again, 
Uh, I keep telling you folks that I think it's the most exaggerated day in the history of this country. While it was certainly embarrassing and at times scary, it does not deserve the amount of attention. It's still getting even today, but as Bill O'Reilly pointed out yesterday, because he's smart, all this is, this dog and pony show, Liz Cheney, Benny Thompson, Raskin, and all these idiots, all this is is one big exercise in making sure Donald Trump does not get reelected. Because he's going to run in 2024, and he's going to kick some Democrats' ass. So if they can make sure with these hearings that uh, the world is terrified of Donnie Baby, maybe find a way even legally to keep him from running, that's all this is. It's just one big exercise in making sure Donald Trump doesn't run. There's nothing to it, folks. Nothing. One person died that day. Her name was Ashley Babbitt, and guess what? No one cares. No one cares. Why? Because she was a Trump supporter who was shot dead for being just that. Didn't have a gun. Wasn't doing anything over the top. Certainly not worthy of being blasted. She was basically the guy riding the subway on a Sunday afternoon. And she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. Don't get me wrong. She had no right being inside that building. But to die and no one cares? They talk about dead cops? That never happened. She's the actual person that did die. They don't want to talk about it. Again, there were more people killed on any given, killed, and more damage on any given night during the summer of 2020. I understand it wasn't a government building. So what? So what? Why, the people's houses and, and police stations and those things don't matter as much? Because this, place, this one happened to take place at the Capitol? It wasn't an insurgent, an insurrection, excuse me. It was not an insurrection. If you know the definition of insurrection, which most of you don't know, it was not that. It was a riot. And truth be told, the overwhelming majority, the overwhelming majority of folks that went to D.C. that day did nothing wrong. You had a small percentage of jerk-offs, and they were. They were. Trump supporters or not. Maybe some were Antifa. I don't know. If they were all Trump supporters, they were idiots, and they ruined the day for all of us, and we're still talking about it. But it was a small percentage compared to the amount of folks that actually showed up that day. And they didn't kill anybody. And he broke into the building. No good. Put their feet up on Pelosi's desk or AOC's desk. I mean, come on. That was a cool photo, though. It was a very cool photo. I've got that in my house. Oh, yeah? Yes, that's right. Right underneath Mark Messier and John Glenn walking on the moon. You should get it signed. So well, what do you want to play here? For? Well, play Liz Cheney. She's really the most nauseating of everybody. I mean, she's, this is what she's become, Dick Cheney's daughter. She's become the face of the anti-Trump movement. She's a Republican, of course, but um, she, she may as well be a Donald Trump, Mitt Romney, and all these, Susan Collins. So she goes on here. She talks about Trump. She talks upon Pence. She talks about this is premeditated. And she even, in cut six, calls out my dear friend who was on this show yesterday, Rudy Giuliani. And that really pissed me off. So here's uh, Liz Cheney 5, and uh, actually, let's start with Liz, uh, Liz Cheney 4, where she talks about Trump and Pence. And aware of the rioters' chance to hang Mike Pence, the president responded with this sentiment, quote, maybe our supporters have the right idea. Mike Pence, quote, deserves it. Donald Trump tweeted, but he did not condemn the attack. Right. Instead, he justified it. 
Ah. These are the things and events that happen, he said, when a sacred landslide election victory is so unceremoniously and viciously stripped away from great patriots who've been badly and unfairly treated for so long. <laughs> Remember when Tom Swazi came on and told me and Bernie that he thought the the parental lockdown in Florida, Ron DeSantis's bill was was absolutely a good bill. And then, of course, when he started to receive pressure from his party, maybe his donors, I don't know. He took it back three days later in, in, in the most cowardly fashion. I watched him in that debate with Hochul and Jamani Williams. All I can think about is how he blew it on this show. They actually described his comments on this show as inartful. And maybe some of those comments by Donald Trump were, to quote Tom Swazi, inartful. Hardly dangerous, but inartful. Here she talks about uh, Liz Cheney, how this whole thing was premeditated. This is cut five. On this point, there is no room for debate. Those who invaded our Capitol and battled law enforcement for hours were motivated by what President Trump had told them, that the election was stolen and that he was the rightful president. President Trump summoned the mob, assembled the mob, and lit the flame of this attack. Let me stop it. The attack on our Capitol was not a spontaneous riot. No. Intelligence available before January 6th identified plans to, quote, invade the Capitol. Lies, 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 lies. Uh, Shut up. Uh, Here's what happened before January 6th, dingbat. Donald Trump, and I've been critical of Trump that day, so you can't come at me. He blew it. That was a bad day for Donald Trump. Not because of what you're saying. He incited nothing. It was nothing premeditated. He blew it because his response was way too, way too long, way too long. You argue that, then you're just in the bag. It's not worth having a conversation. He blew it. Had a really bad day, really bad day. But he didn't incite anything. In fact, what he did before that day was go to Nancy Pelosi and these other folks and say, "Get me some, um, some, some, um, some guardsmen, uh, upwards of ten thousand." Because he had a feeling. Well, I didn't have a feeling, but just in case, just in case something happened, he wanted the Washington police to be prepared. That's what he did before. Hardly, hardly something somebody who wanted a riot would do to ask for more police. Think bad. And here's where she really pissed me off, going after my friend Rudy Giuliani. This is uh, Liz Cheney 6. The president's claims in the election cases were so frivolous and unsupported that the president's lead lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, not only lost the lawsuits, his license to practice law was suspended. Here's what the court said of Mr. Giuliani. Giuliani communicated demonstrably false and misleading statements to courts. Nah, I can't even play it. Shut up. Oh, we got to go to break. I can't even play it because it's just it's it's so hateful and so biased and so agenda driven. There's nothing there. Here's what Liz Cheney is good at: hating Donald Trump, hating Rudy Giuliani hating anybody that cares about this country, and hating the United States. That's what Liz Cheney is good at. And with that said, we'll take a short break. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. 
Sid, I know we keep talking about the Capitol hearings and people are sick of it, right? So as these Capitol hearings drone on this political theater, I need to know, will the security failures ever be addressed? Now, WABC Radio has obtained a memo that was issued on January 5th from Deputy Chief Sean Gallagher of the Capitol Police. He is the Protective Services Bureau Commander. He sent this email again. This was on January 5th, 2021. He sent it to Kelly Fado, who serves as the deputy sergeant at arms for guess who? Chuck Schumer. In that memo, it states that they have specific intelligence that reveals that there may be an attack on the Capitol. It talks about all of these different websites, how people are looking at the tunnels. They want to infiltrate it. They want to overturn the election. He says it should be an all hands on deck operation. He says, get the barricades out, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing came of it. So time and time again, we heard about the memo that Trump issued on January 2nd, four days prior, saying, get me tens of thousands of National Guard. Now WABC has this specific memo from this deputy chief, Sean Gallagher of the Capitol Police. We know the mayor herself also said, no, no, no. So I want to ask you, Sid, are they really this stupid? Or did no. they want this mayhem and chaos to happen to make every yes. Republican, yes. every person that supported Trump look bad? Yeah, I mean, they're not stupid at all. They're evil. They've got an agenda. Uh, they're thrilled to death it happened because it is their hope that this will make sure that Donald Trump never runs for president again without this. I mean, look, let's be honest here. I've been doing this now for six years with Bernard. And uh, these these silly things, whether it was the Russian hoax, the Ukrainian hoax, the impeachment hoax, the January 6th hoax, I've been through this time and time again. Some desperate attempt by these Democrats, no matter who it is, to make Trump look bad, make the Republicans look bad, and keep Trump out of office. Time and time. I just gave you four examples. There may be ten more. This is just another one of those. They are wasting our time. It's nonsense. Why don't they have a hearing when Trump had to be brought down to the bunker during the BLM riots in Correct. 2020? Correct. There's no hearing there, huh? He literally had to be brought down to the bunker. I know we differ on it. That What happened on January 6th was an embarrassment. That should have never happened. Oh, but, that, no, no, but you know no, what? No, 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 it could have been we, prevented. We don't differ. That's the exact word I used. Embarrassment. I agree with you 100%. I start getting upset when I hear horrific that wasn't horrific. What happened on the streets what, of all what these cities? What happened to Ashley Babbitt was horrific. Well, you're that right. That was horrific. I yeah, mean, yeah, but on the flip side, I'm going to say something about her, though. Well, hold you, on a second. You don't know. Like, what happened to Ashley Babbitt? What? what happened to Ashley Babbitt was a failure that day. That was not part yes. of the day. That was not. In other words, if you're going to say what these people did was horrific, you can't include the Ashley Babbitt shooting. That was a result. No, no. Of I'm what, saying her being killed was yes, horrific. She should have never right. been killed. Of course not. No one. But I mean, that should have never happened to begin with. It could have all have been prevented. And let me ask you, who planted the pipe bombs? Who planted the pipe bombs? Remember? They yep. have a picture of the guy with this, the like suitcase. I'm looking at the picture. They don't talk about that. They don't talk about the memo. Are they also going to play this soundbite from Trump where, when he said this? Like, we, Take a listen. We have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated. Lawfully slated. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building. 
to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. Today, we will see whether Republicans stand strong for integrity. That's it. So are they going to play that during the hearings? Of course not. No. Well, again, uh, just and Bill O'Reilly said it perfectly yesterday. All these hearings are, once again, at the risk of repetition, all they are is an attempt to make sure President Trump never runs again. That's it. That is it. If you know that going this, in, then you know yeah. that they're not going to play anything that makes Trump look good and or try to defend him in any way. So Liz Cheney and Benny Thompson and Raskin and all these idiots will sit up there and talk about how democracy's in trouble. And uh, that day was the end of our nation. And all these, all these you know, hyperboles and ridiculous comments, all in an attempt to make sure that Donald Trump never runs again. Make no mistake, Sid, these capital right hearings are about Trump in 2024, like you said, not 2021. And instead of us looking backwards, we should be looking forwards. They're dividing our nation once again. Where are the hearings on Biden's handling of energy? The fact that he shut down the pipelines and now we're relying on Saudi Arabia, who won't even answer Biden's phone call. So he has to go over there. He's begging OPEC. People can't even pay their bills anymore. They're living off of government checks. What are, where's the hearing on the baby formula? We know there was a whistleblower complaint. There were memos issued eight months prior to the FDA. I mean, it goes on and on. These are actual issues that are affecting Americans today, every single day. Yet we constantly are looking backwards to try to fulfill this political narrative that anybody who supported Trump is a white supremacist who's a threat to our democracy and wants to bring our country down. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Oh, listen, you're right. And uh, it's an attack on me, uh, an even bigger attack on Bernard, who's been an ardent Trump supporter from day one. Really an attack on anybody who's got any sense of rationalism. And by the way, just, just so you know, you got Robert De Niro, who is still one of my favorite actors of all time. I love him. I think he's a genius when he's acting. Uh, he hates Donald Trump so much that an otherwise smart guy sounds like an idiot. This was Robert De Niro last night on Colbert, courtesy of CBS. You just laid out very eloquently and very smartly, Lydia, 19 things that Joe Biden has done wrong. 19. He was Robert De Niro just last night. Having a new guy at uh, 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, has that, have you sleep any better at night? Yes. <laughs> He's, uh, you know, he, he got us into calm waters. That was yeah. always the idea. Yeah. He's doing a very good job. It's a tough one oh I couldn't God. imagine. He's doing a very good job, Robert De Niro. Now, he's not stupid, De Niro, but that's how much he hates Trump. And it's no different than how much Liz Liz Cheney hates Trump. So when you watch what you watched last night, it's the same thing as De Niro. It's just in a political environment. It is. uh, It's embarrassing because he doesn't worry about it. He doesn't have to worry about the $10 gas. It doesn't affect him. He doesn't have to worry about $6 a gallon uh, milk and all these other things. He doesn't have to worry. And Frank Morano, he just said, uh, he just texted me. He's like, they are having hearings on the baby formula. I know that they've been talking about that, but I'm saying why not hold Biden accountable because they're making Trump the focus of this entire thing, the Capitol six. And he did play a part in it. Of course he was the president at the time, but where is Pelosi? Where is Schumer? Where is all these other, you know, it's, it's discreet. Let's find out what happened on January 6th, because that shouldn't have happened. A hundred percent. I agree. But to make it all about Trump, give me a break.
Because if we're going to do that, then we should blame all of the other crises and everything going on wrong in the world squarely on Biden's shoulders. Because ever since he came into office, things have gone downhill. I mean, you have people even in San Francisco who recalled their DA there. They've recalled the DA there. And that you can't get more progressive than, than San Francisco. And they're like, get this guy out of here. We're sick and tired of having our cars broken into and people pooping in the middle of the streets. You see it even in New York City. My friend just came in back from Florida and she's like, this is what I wake up to. I just walked outside. She lives in a beautiful apartment building. And she's like, this this person is defecating in yeah. the middle of the street. Uh, listen, I, I know this is not the New York we 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 know, know and love. That's why I left New York City six years, two years down by Wall Street, four years up the West Side. Now I live in a beautiful Queens community where where uh, American flags hang at every front door and people don't poop in the street and care. New York City is a disgrace. Eric Adams is a disgrace. The governor is a disgrace. And, and look again, you know, back to the Joe Biden thing. Uh, this is how it goes. I mean, if you hate Donald Trump, and a lot of people hate his guts, don't minimize that. They hate him. They don't dislike yes. him like Ron DeSantis. I always argue yes. with Bernie. Bernie's like, they would treat anybody like this. He's so wrong because Trump yes, is such a fighter that he fought with everybody. Every little thing Trump had a fight. I'm not sure Ted Cruz would do that or Ron DeSantis. He is the most hated guy I've ever seen. And, and, and that's the way the politics goes today. You either hate Donald Trump. Or you love him. Nobody voted for Joe Biden. If, in fact, he got 80 million votes, and I doubt he did, but if, in fact, he got 80 million votes, all he found was 80 million people that hated Donald Trump, not that liked him. I know. You're 100% right because people voted with their heart instead of with their minds. And I blame people just like me, white suburban moms who get, allow their emotions to kind of cloud their judgment. And that's that's what happens. And you're 100% right. Meantime, again, back to Mayor Adams. Did you hear where he was last night? Yeah, he was hanging out with uh, Jennifer Lopez and a bunch of other uh, hotties. And French that? Montana. Yeah. He was at Avra. He's like partying. Yeah. You know, Listen, if it, like you guys have talked about it, name and shame. He went to D.C., all these things. All he needs is a bullhorn. Seriously, if he's listening right now, any I know his staff listens, get the bullhorn out. Go up and down the streets with some victim rights advocates from the black community, the moms whose kids have been killed. Go up and down Andrea Sewer Cousins' house, Carl, Carl Hasty's home. Go up and down and say, you have blood on your hands. Not going to happen. Change the bail reform no. laws. Get no. the people behind bars that deserve to stay there because we want our young kids to thrive and be alive. But he won't do it. He won't and, do and, it. And why won't he, need, why that's won't what he, he do should it? Do. And why, that would make national headlines. I understand that. We've been saying on this show for months. Why won't he do it? You want the answer? Yeah, I want the answer. I'm sorry, Justin was talking to my He answer. won't do it because he's got his design set on the White House, much bigger things than the mayor of New York City. And even though he says the right thing some of the time, he is not going to upset his base. He's not going to upset the folks that are large inside the party because he cares more about his political future than New York City. And if you haven't figured that out yet, you're stupid. Anyway, we got to go. Uh, great, 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 I know. great. We got to go. Cats at night. Cats at night, 5 o'clock. You don't want to miss it where we stand for truth, justice, and the American way. John Katzmatidi show. You'll hear me alongside him with all the biggest names. We had Peter Navarro on yesterday. He gave us some bombshell stuff that he was telling us, John Solomon. So we're going to have a great show again tonight, Cats at night, 5 o'clock. Thank you. Great job all week, Lydia, with me. Really great job. Lydia reports, 825 with me and Bernard every weekday morning. Check her out on Twitter, at Lydia News, on Instagram, at Lydia News 1. Ohio. 
Ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Bernard McGurk. Unacceptable is throwing your beer can on the subway tracks. <laughs> Sid Rosenberg. I don't believe it's a three-man race. Bernie and Sid in the morning. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Summer Highland Falls over the Turnstiles album. 8.43 on your gorgeous Friday morning. We'll talk to uh, Joe Pinion, Money Against Chuck Schumer, coming up at 9. He's terrific. And young actress Alexandra Vigneault. She's got a movie they're going to uh, play tomorrow at the Manhattan Film Festival. I think they played it at the Jebecca Film Festival as well. She'll be uh, live in studio coming up at 9.25. You know, this, um, this Janine Pirro, you know who she is? Yeah, I love Janine Pirro. I used to do her stuff on the weekends. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you know. Then you know that I used to come in. I used to do this uh, sports show here called Sid Sports Sunday. Yeah, I remember. I used to run it. You remember that? Well, I used to do it before you ran it at the old address. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. But you had, had a little bit of hiatus in between. Right. I had. Um, it was going great. Uh, I had Danny Bianculo making picks. Yeah. Mike Gunzelman was producing. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it wasn't going so great. I don't know. <laughs> well, clearly not great enough. Right. Yeah, whatever. So they stopped it, and then and then I convinced Katsimatidis and Chad to bring it back. Ended up doing, by the way, a six-hour Super Bowl show last year. I bought in a lot of money for that show, almost twenty grand. It was a good show. But uh, the weekly Sunday show only lasted so long before they decided, nah, no more sports. We're going to do politics. That's fine. I don't care. I, lo- I love John. I love At this point, they could do no wrong. But, um, you know, I used to come in early on Sundays. And why was that? Uh, because you, <laughs> you wanted to see Janine. Right. Yeah. She used to flirt with me in that. No, that's not true. Let's take that back. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. Well, listen, I mean, uh, you know, you guys have a very um, com- I love compatible I, I, com- I love her. relationship. I do love her. Yeah. And I would come in a half hour early, and we would, we would, uh, would say horrible things about mm-hmm. everybody. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vile things, really. Vile. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Even some of the people that work here that think she loves them, I and mean, we, we was just, it was the most exciting Nasty conversations you ever heard. Yeah. Ever. Mm-hmm. And I'll share none of it. None of it. No. Well, you'll never get it out. You'll never get it out of me. Never. Oh. Unless you want to pay me. For money, I'll do it. But uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you'll do anything for money. Yeah. So I'm trying to get uh, Janine on the show. You know, she's a big star now. She went from having 
She's got the show here on Sundays, but she had this um, show on Saturday nights on Fox News. It was a great show. But now she's a big star. She's now on she's the, on the five every day. Yep. She's on the five every day. She's filling in for uh, Jesse Waters sometimes. Yes. You yes. Know? So, yeah. you know, that. Uh, so you got Jesse Waters. He's on that show. Greg Gutfeld. Mm-hmm. Dana Perino. Mm-hmm. I know I'm missing one uh, one important person. I think the other one, they um, yeah, one like person who comes in, uh, comes and goes. They, they, you know, yeah, they have the uh, who's, like who's a the roving ch- Democrat. Yeah, they have the chick who plays the Democrat, whatever her name yeah. is. Well, they change that person. I think. I, I don't uh, even bro, did, 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 sometimes they bring in Tyrus with his right. stupid belt. And, uh, exactly. Very good. Yes, yeah. they do. Right. So she's on that show now. But the last two Fridays that I've been doing solo shows, I've asked her to come on. Mm. So two weeks ago, she had some fakakta excuse. I don't know. Right. So I got something going on. Yeah. And then, and then uh, so I texted her yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, hey, Janine, baby, I need you 840 tomorrow. Called her baby? I think I did, yeah. Let's make right. it happen, okay? Well. And she said, I can't do it. She's got to tape something for cats and petite. I don't know. She got a whole bunch of uh, nonsense. And I said, okay, just to let you know, this is now two times in a row this happens again, it becomes a trend. Right. You want to hear a response? <laughs> Is it clean for air? Yeah. Okay. Go. Try now and you'll be trending. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you got to love Judge Janine. That's I mean, she's such listen. a. And I actually said to her, quote, and this is why I have the hots for you. Ooh. And she said, LOL. All right. Well, now we're, you know, now we're getting into the inappropriate territory. I don't think so. You don't think so? Nah. 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 Anyway, she's not coming on, so. Well, maybe we'll get her next week. <laughs> Just cause, what is with her saying? No, I, it's so. It, maybe, it, maybe I'll try. I, she loves me. No, she doesn't like you more than me. Oh. No, in fact, nobody in your life likes you more than me. Nobody. Nobody in my maybe life likes Lisa, me more maybe. than you. Yeah, nobody. Not okay. even your own mother. Really? You think so? Yeah, I know so. So then John Solomon who's a great guest, and he's mm. on with Katz and Matides all the time. Yeah. So we effort to get him on today. Yeah. And he said no, and, and uh, he's busy too. Who knows? He said he was booked all morning. Whatever. Right. But I followed protocol. I sent him right. a text. Sure. So then I, and this is where I become really obnoxious, I admit it, I don't want to hear you're too busy for me or this show. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like when Tom Swazi says to me, I can't come on and correct the record with you and Bernard because I'm on with Len Berman. Go F yourself. You're, you're done forever here. Yeah. You know? Len Berman, sweetheart, great guy, love him, love him. One of my favorite sports guys ever. That is a four-hanger abortion, that show. Him and Riedel. I'll take that back. Maybe that probably wasn't the best way to describe well, it. Well, I mean, you've, you've said worse. Roe versus Wade. Yeah. But um, it's a horrible show, and nobody should ever go on that show. And, and you, you certainly cannot go on with me, me and Bernie, the number one rated show in New York. Because, you, you know, it's like saying, I don't want to sign with the Yankees. I love my deal in, in um, Kansas City, you know. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So this John Solomon, whatever he's doing today, I don't care. But, but he's John's friend, Katsimatidis, and he is a great guest. But don't think that I didn't say to, to Alec, first thing I said was, you tell Solomon, I don't care what he's doing, find 10 minutes. And what did I say? Well, you wouldn't do it because you're scared of cats and everybody else. And I don't blame you, but... But that, but and, and by the way, thinking back now, kind of like the the whole Michael Goodwin thing two days ago, which got us both into trouble. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not really, but yeah, not that really, was, that was but a... that is my first response. Like I don't want to hear it. Right? No, your exact words were, 
I'm Sid Rosenberg. But I didn't say that. That you makes did. me sound no, no. You did. Wait a second. You said it. Wait a second. You said I'm Sid Rosenberg. I could be wrong, but I saw a T-shirt. Yeah. In the back of this office, uh. just yesterday, which read, and I quote, "I'm Justin Ellick." <laughs> Who's wearing that? Who's on the floor? Really? On the floor? I, I, oh, yeah, okay. This is going to be a problem. No, but no, but the shirt does exist. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, t- tons of them. I have way too many of them. I've and, got like 50 of those shirts in my apartment. I'm I don't sure, know what to I'm do. Sure you do. I don't know what to do. And so now you're saying that I said, I'm Sid Rosenberg. Yeah, well, you did. I did? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sounded. Oh, yeah. whatever. Whatever. What are you going to do? You're number one. You got. You got to make. You got to figure it out. I'm you know? number one. Thank you. No, no. Yes, you're part of this machine. Yeah. You, Bernie, Lou, everybody. All right. It's a team effort. Yeah. We gotta go. Where are we going? You gotta go to break. I get to hear more Billy Joel, right? Yeah. Just a little bit, though. Lou Rufino's claiming he's had a crappy morning. Well, is he on his way or what? He just asked the escort to leave just now. Ay ay ay. Bernard McGurk. Bernard has been a friend of mine for so long. And Sid, you too. Sid Rosenberg. Not good, great. Bernie and Sid in the morning. I love you guys. I listen to you every morning and walk around the house laughing my butt off. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Someone like you, as I blow kisses to the television, watch the show after in its entirety, WABCRadio.tv, and download that app today, folks. You can listen to Bernie and Sid, any city, any state, any country around the world. And folks, do download the 77 WABC app and do it today. This is the favorite, too, Van Morrison. 8.53 on your, um, on your Friday morning. Oh, I'm so happy it's the weekend. You know, I live out by the beach. I know you guys know this by now. When I was a little kid, when I was a child, yeah. yeah, I get so many messages. People love the personal stories. I mean, there's just so much. I, I mean, how many times you want to play January 6th and Chuck Schumer? I mean, that's, you know, so I'm, I'm getting inundated. I swear to God, I'm not, you know, I don't lie, Justin, inundated with people saying, give us more stories. This is why you're great. So I'm going to do it. Okay. So when I was a kid, my father, Harvey, who's uh, dead now a couple of years, but did celebrate a birthday yesterday at a piece of cake, but not in heaven. I hope so, at least. He, uh, he's got a first cousin. His name is Normie Robbins. He used to be Norman Rosenberg, changed his name, long story. He's a singer in a band, Cedarhurst Five Towns, became Normie Robbins. Normie Robbins' son, Michael Robbins, is my favorite cousin. Him and I have had a great relationship. They now live in Jacaranda, Florida, Normie and Iris. Michael lives in Boca Raton in South Beach. When uh, I was a kid, Normie owned a villa in Montego Bay, Jamaica, man. You know what I'm saying? 
I know and, what you're saying. Um, um, it, it was beautiful. And, and, you know, we we would go about two or three times a year. You know, I climbed Dunn's River Falls, which is an amazing place in Jamaica. Uh, I went and watched the, the stories about the White Witch of Rose Hall. I drank mushroom tea and all that stuff. You know, I, I loved Jamaica, loved it. And we traveled quite a bit in and around Jamaica. And at one point, I was a little kid, my, Michael's brother, Jonathan, said there's a naked beach not far from here. And uh, to me, that was like, what do you mean a naked? What does that mean? I was like a little kid. You know, he said, oh, people walk around naked. And he was little, too. He was a little kid. So at the time, that's when Polaroid was a big deal. You know, my daughter, Ava, has a new Polaroid camera. Yeah, it's coming back. Uh, I know. It's back. She it's has like it in red. Like, yeah. She's taking Polaroid pictures. I'm like, I did this 40 years ago. Yeah, it's like one of those artsy things. It's stupid. It is stupid, but whatever. She likes it. Yeah. So, but back then, it was a big deal. And we had, like, the first Polaroid cameras. And I was the second person to have the Mattel football game. Lyle Wilpon was the first, Fred Wilpon's nephew. So me and Jonathan Robbins went to this naked beach in the grill, Jamaica, and with the Polaroid camera, and we came home. I, was, I think I was 10, he was 8. And we came home later that day with pictures of vagina, penis, boobies, the whole thing, you know. And uh, it was a great day. I've never been back to a naked beach since, and I, and I have to tell you that for the most part, the people on the naked beach that day were some of the most grotesque, yeah, it's ugliest people. Yeah. I, I mean, it's great that you have a naked beach. <laughs> How about somebody <laughs> every decent looking shows up? Oh, I mean, come on. What do you think it's going to be? A Sports Illustrated swimsuit edition? Well, how about something in the middle? I mean, somebody... Uh, come on. I mean, listen, I'm not Bradley Cooper. I'm not Brad Pitt. But, I, I mean, there's no one even close to me. It's very naive of you to, to assume that well, that would no, be the case. You know what? You're right. You're right. It is naive. I didn't know any better. And I was astounded by just how ugly these people were. I mean, they, they're ugly boobies. <laughs> and the, So, anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen a naked beach. And now I've got one by my house. Oh, Ta- that's fun. Taking a walk on the beach uh, last weekend with Gabe uh, and Danielle. And around 148, 149, I guess, by Reese Park, there's a naked beach. And there they are again, out there sunbathing. No sure. And once again, I swear to God, the most grotesque, nastiest, ugliest people you've ever seen. Why, why do and they, not, do they go to the beach, they get naked, and they, they have to know they look terrible, no? Or they don't know that. No, they do know that they look terrible, but they're usually old people with who don't care that These they look terrible anymore. These were not old people. That, well, I mean, old. What's old? They're in their 40s and 50s. But that's not what it's about. It's a whole, it's like a club. It's like a, it's not, you don't have to be attractive no, to, I know. Be, to be hard, part of like the nudist club. Yeah, that's like a freedom type of thing, It's right? like, uh, you they're know. They're free. Yeah, yeah well, it's, it's like supposed to connect you back to the roots of being a human being. And we used to run around naked and, you know. Claw at each other. And, no, they're disgusting. They look yeah. terrible. I mean, you, they, they should just plant, to your point, the beach should go out and hire somebody, just plant yes. them there for the day. Yes. Give them, you know, 30 bucks an hour just to walk around naked. So when I, went, I, I saw the beach, I, I, I had to run away. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, people are really ugly. You know what I mean? I mean you know, I always talk. I'm, I'm a very shallow person. I know that. I know that. And in this day and age, 2022, you're not supposed to call people fat. You know, Valerie Bernoulli gets all upset. She cries for days. You're not supposed to talk about what they look like. Stop it. I'm always going to be this way. This is how I was, and, and this is how I'm going to be. And I'm astounded by people who uh, look for attention in public who are grotesque. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Huh. I mean, to be completely honest, Justin, if you walked on that beach today, you'd be an Adonis. <laughs> You'd be an Adonis, and, and, and you're no Channing Tatum, not by any stretch. I look very good. Come on. Yeah, you're a cute kid, but you're not Channing Tatum. No. But if you, if you went no. to that beach today, you'd be. In, it would be like, oh, my God, look how hot he is. 
That's how bad it is. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't say it like that, but you know, you know what I'm trying to say, right? I know what you're trying to say, but I, listen, I, I, it's, I, I'm just saying, what, what would you expect? I, mean, I ex- come on. I, I don't know. Anyway, that's my naked story for the day. You, you, you give the human race too much credit. Yeah, you know, my wife always says it to me. She's like, you know, most people are not attractive. Yeah, most people are not. In, which, in fact, most people are, are they're not. ugly. Are ugly. Right, they are. And, you yeah. know, we, we've lived in Boca Raton, Florida, where everybody is, is like perfect, perfect. New York City, where people actually care, you know. But there's like 47 states where if you have a full set of teeth, you're hot. I'm being serious. Mm. You go to Kentucky, Mississippi, Tennessee. I mean, they have their fair share of pretty people, don't get me wrong, but the overwhelming majority are, are not good-looking people. They're not. They're not. What are you going to do? That's the world but we live in. Spoiled. We're spoiled up here, and especially you guys, because you get to see me every day, and God knows I'm gorgeous. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. It all it's, comes full circle. <laughs> <laughs> Joe Pinion's a handsome guy. Yeah. He's never been to a naked beach. Look at him out there. He looks like a football player, right? He was so excited to come on yesterday, and you just, he turned him there right There wasn't away. enough time. I know. I got to give this guy time. He's actually worthy of it. Uh, tell me about it. I wanted to kick Chuck Schumer's ass. So we will talk to the very electable Joe Pinion on Bernie and Sid. First, a little more, Van Morrison. Bernie and Sid in the morning on the Red Apple Podcast Network. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions. What day is it? And in what month? This clock never seems so alive. I can't keep up. And I can't back down, I've been losing so much time Cause it's you and me And all other people, nothing to do That was Chuck Schumer, and we'll get to the gentleman that's running against him Mike Sullivan checks in Wouldn't be a Bernie and Sid show without mentioning Mike Sullivan Dan Henderson Charleston, South Carolina, listens to Bernie and Sid every day. Him and the great Joe Bartone. Well, thank you for listening, gentlemen. There you go, Mikey. So, uh, you heard Chuck Schumer there. Now, again, O'Reilly comes on yesterday said, that's not why the gunman, you know, you can't blame Chuck Schumer, and I disagree with Bill. It's wrong, because, yes, crazy happens first, then crazy needs just a little push. And crazy tries to, now again, this gives us a lame attempt. I'm not going to call it attempted murder. The guy, the guy called the cops on himself. It was lame. But, um, we, you know, Steve Scalise got shot on a baseball field. That was real. So when you get a guy like Schumer yelling that, that will help make crazy brave enough to do something as silly as this guy wanted to do. And maybe the next guy does do. So I absolutely blame Chuck Schumer. I know my next guest does too. He's running against Chuck Schumer, and he's my choice and Bernie's choice by far, the great Joe Pinion. Good to see you again. Always good to be here with you, my friend. Thank great you. to join you this morning. I got and, my coffee, so we're ready to go. Oh, <laughs> I know you're ready. Uh, you and I had a good time together, actually, in my neighborhood, Bell Harbor, last Absolutely. Thursday night. Yeah, it was good. good yeah. 
Shout out to our dear friend uh, Paul King, who's fighting the good fight uh, out there. It was King's Night. We had Paul King. Uh, we had the former Congressman King. So great times all around You're out right. there. We had both Peter and Paul King. They're not related, but both were out there that night. Uh, let's get to the uh, the big story. You're running against Chuck Schumer. Uh, most of us, including me, have attached him to this uh, this attempt on Brett Kavanaugh a couple of days ago. Give us your thoughts. Look, last night, uh, the Democrats, they didn't necessarily have uh, a congressional hearing. Uh, they had a primetime special in search of ratings. But if their opinion is that the mayor of this former city, uh, Mayor Giuliani, and the words of President Trump incited an insurrection, uh, then most assuredly, uh, we have to hold the Senate majority leader for the country accountable uh, for saying that Supreme Court justices would pay the price for rendering a legal opinion. Uh, well, the price that Brett Kavanaugh almost paid was the price of his life. We had a man that showed up out of his own mouth to kill him. Uh, and so if we know that the Bible tells us uh, that death and life live in the power of the tongue, uh, then we also should know that Chuck Schumer's reckless rhetoric did, in fact, contribute to an environment that left a man deranged enough but also comfortable enough to show up on the doorstep of a Supreme Court justice with malice and death in his heart. I agree. Uh, now the question becomes, what happens to Chuck Schumer next? I read something yesterday that said he's in hot water. I don't buy it. I even said yesterday it may be in Schumer's best interest to come out and say, you know what, uh, I certainly didn't mean for this to happen, but I'm sorry, just something. But the more silence we right. get out of Chuck Schumer really goes to show Joe Pinion what a coward this guy really is. It's actually more pernicious than that because the silence lets you know that he recognizes that there is power in this rhetoric, that there is power in members of our government who placed their hand on a Bible and swore to uphold our Constitution, encouraging people uh, to go out and camp out on the doorsteps of Supreme Court justices, even though it is quite literally against the law to do yeah. so, yeah. whether they do it peacefully or not. When Chuck Schumer says, oh, well, I get protests all the time, so it's fine. When the White House press secretary says, says, oh, well, as long as they're peaceful, we don't have a problem with it. No, eventually we have laws or we don't. We are a nation of laws or we're not. When President Trump said either we have a country or we don't, if the erosion of the law continues, certainly we just have chaos and bedlam. So oh, that's what no we're question. focused on I mean, right now. Even Peter Ducey asked Jen Psaki when she was still the speaker. She's gone now at MSNBC, and, and, and he brought it up, and she was like, we don't really have an official uh, statement yet. What do you mean? You just said it, Joe Pinion. It's against the law. What official statement do you need? Stay away from the houses of Supreme Court justices. So even then, when Saki had a chance on behalf of Joe Biden to call these people out, she actually condoned the behavior. Look, at some point, we just have to have a set standard period. If you're of the opinion that what happened on January 6th was egregious as I am, that people would take the flag of this great nation to break glass at the people's house, then we must have that standard unilaterally. I want to know uh, what the president knew and when he knew it, but I also want to know what Joe, Bi what Joe Biden knew. I want to know what Nancy Pelosi knew. I want to know what Chuck Schumer knew, because it is inconceivable for me uh, that the man in the Viking hat conspired with <laughs> the man uh, who was the leader of the free world to make Make sure we could overthrow the government of this nation and nobody else knew about it. Yeah. So this is just what we have to have an honest conversation, an honest reckoning with. What are the facts? But ultimately, these are the politics that distract us from the real pain and suffering all across this state and this nation. We're sitting here looking at the cover of the New York Post, a 15-year-old hit uh, with a bullet doing a homework. I mean, this is 
This is what's happening here. Crime run amok uh, because our leadership does not prioritize the needs of the common man. They have prioritized the concerns of the criminal class that has basically, in many ways, uh, turned this nation uh, into a firing squad. Agreed. Now, you looked at that second line, Eric Adams, who I'm very critical of, but not as well, but me more. Adams doing terrible job on crime. That comes from the 15-year-old that was shot doing her homework. Now, you sounded a bit like Congressman Peter King moments ago uh, in that I refuse, refuse to give this January 6th story any legs. I made the point a million times on this show, give me any given night uh, during the summer of 2020 in any one of seven cities, and that was closer to an insurrection than January 6th. There was more damage. Uh, Cops were being uh, abused. People were getting shot in the streets. Those nights in Atlanta, Portland, New York, to me, scarier than January 6th. So I give it no legs. Peter says, no, no, no. It was scary. It was dangerous. It was an attack on democracy, blah, blah, blah. You sound like you agree with Peter. Look, uh, here's what I have to say. Uh, We're not going to sit here and say that people uh, who kneel for the flag are SOBs and then turn a blind eye when people uh, deface that flag, uh, deface the people's house, uh, go down and cause all manner of chaos. When the time capsule for the 21st century is built, uh, the images of that day will be seared into the fabric of this nation. And in many ways, it is an unfortunate blemish on four consequential years of governance for President Trump. And so I think that we can't uh, poo-poo that as my mother would say. But I do think, again, (laughs) uh, at the end of the day, uh, why I am in this race is to focus on the things that don't get talked about. This state has become ground zero uh, for the despair that has uh, taken this nation uh, by storm. When you look at Syracuse, New York, being the epicenter for child poverty in the nation, uh, you look at Rochester, New York, top five per capita, most dangerous cities in the country. It is more dangerous to live in Rochester, New York, per capita, than it is to live in Chirac, also also known as Chicago. Those are just the numbers. These are not Republican talking points. So the pain and suffering that people love to say uh, is not part of the progressive mission in many ways finds its most robust audience in states where the Democrats turned a blind eye to the policies they have ushered in. Chuck Schumer has been in the Senate for 24 years. 42 years in Congress and has done very little to ameliorate these conditions. Yeah. And so we're here to give people a chance to have a choice. If you believe that the world is not as it should be, uh, then you cannot continue to vote for the architect who built it. Help us throw this architect into the retirement home of politics <laughs> once and for all. Go to JoePinion.com because I'm telling you right now, this is the year that we can tend Chuck Schumer packing uh, because what he has done is of no service to the 19 million and shrinking that still call New York State home. My wife's partner, Abraham Hamra, I went to his uh, house for dinner, his beautiful wife, Rachel, and his lovely children for, for a Shabbos last Friday. He just sent a text that uh, Chuck Schumer, it was even worse, that uh, he was threatening democracy by really asking for violence against these Supreme Court justices. And a guy that's been around for, like you said, 42 years should know better. And you're right. I, I think the, the city, the state is ripe for Republicans to win. We're talking about the red wave. Not sure what's going to be here, but hopefully either Zeldin or Astorino, Wilson or Giuliani wins a gubernatorial race. You've got your race. But I have to ask you honestly, I love the fact you're running. I know your mom doesn't, but I do. Um, <laughs> I find you to be brilliant, good looking, charismatic. And look, let's be honest, Joe, you're a black man who's a conservative. There's not a lot of that around in New York. So there's a lot of boxes that you check outside the fact I just genuinely like you. Um, But to be honest here, what are the odds you can unseat a guy as disgusting as he is, Chuck Schumer, that wins by just waking up in the morning? 
Look, uh, if you believe that we are going to take the governor's mansion uh, come next January, then it is inconceivable that Joe Pinion is going to get destroyed by Chuck Schumer. This is a man that won with 70 percent of the vote uh, six years ago. If I believed that he was still that same man, I wouldn't have walked out of that building across the street, quit my job, forced my mother to wear the scarlet letter of having a 38 year old unemployed son. I did it because I truly believe in the fact that America is worth the fight. New York is worth the effort. And the person who is destroying the prospects for both America and New York State is a man named Charles Ellis Schumer. Those are just the facts. When you look at the fact that even with this baby formula crisis, where we have turned America into the Hunger Games for toddlers, uh, this is a man who is responsible for helping to pass the federal legislation that mandates that baby formula is bought by states in block-blind grants yep. to ensure that poor babies do not starve to death. So that when a major developer or major producer in uh, has an actual recall, you should know immediately yeah. that there is going to be a military-grade crisis. Uh, that is why you have people in D.C. that long, theoretically. Mm. They're supposed to have the institutional knowledge to know, hey, there is a problem coming down the pipe. We should prevent that problem from becoming a crisis. They ignored the whistleblower report. They ignored the fact that they should have known uh, that there was going to be an actual shortage. And now we've got babies showing up in the hospital and suddenly they want to pretend they're doing something. I don't need after-the-fact leadership. I need leadership that prevents the problem from happening in the first place. We've got 42 years of empirical evidence showing us that the only thing Chuck Schumer prevents is himself losing on election day <laughs> while our jobs, our lives, our liberties come under assault, and he just wants to continue to be uh, the person who sits there holding all the power. He is a professional hostage-taker. He takes our dreams hostage, he takes our liberties hostage, and we all have to deal with the fact that this is going to be a year where we are not held prisoner by fear anymore. We're not going to allow the gunman who's the white supremacist uh, to be the reason why we ignore the poverty. We are not going to allow the threat against Roe v. Wade to be the reason why parents ignore the fact that 60% of our children are not reading. Those are not palatable positions anymore. The people are fed up, and I just have to get the word out there. Again, go to JoePinion.com. Help us get the word out there, because if every single person planning on voting knew that Chuck Schumer was on the ballot in November, he keeps that secret pretty well, he'd be in a lot of trouble, which is why you don't hear the words Joe Pinion escape his lips anytime soon. Well, we'll, we'll wrap this up here. Uh, you talk about getting the word out there. Go to JoePinion.com. Certainly Bernie and Sid listeners, they know who you are, and they love you. Uh, I guess Newsmax, your old employer, they'll put you on whenever you want. I'm sure Fox News will put you on. But let's face we it. We hope. We hope. <laughs> uh, but let's face it. Getting the word out there for you is difficult. Even Earl Lewis, New York One, I'm not sure they're going to invite you on. I doubt the local networks. So the only way that you can get folks on the other side of the aisle who otherwise would vote for Chuck Schumer only because he's got a D in front of his name, the only way you can get those folks to possibly think about not doing that is if they see you, hear from you. So how do you do that? Debates. Will there be debates between Joe Pinion and Chuck Schumer? Well, look, we're going to push all the networks to have as many debates as possible. I tell people all the time, I am old enough to remember uh, when CNN forced all Americans to watch those Beto O'Rourke, Ted Cruz debates. Well, look, uh, if these are the 
people who claim to care about equity and diversity. I'm the first black man nominated for United States Senate running against the Senate Majority Leader for the Nation, who is the senior senator for a state that has the highest level of child poverty, some of the highest levels of crime. He had 12 major cities hit all-time highs for homicide last year because he allowed the three most dangerous words ever uttered in modern politics to take this nation hostage. Defund the police was a disaster. We see the destruction. We see death for the toddlers. We see death for the people overdosing from fentanyl because of an unsecure border. So this is the year we can get it done. And like I said, this is a man who won with 70% of the vote six years ago. He's now at 30% with independence in the polls. Not my Joe opinion. That is Siena College telling us this. He is at 46, 47% three-month average with those same public pollings. So the people have had enough. We just have to let them know there is an alternative. And with your help, with the help of the people at home, with people all across this country going to JoePinion.com to help us raise the resources to get the word out there, we're going to have a 1776 moment. Get on your horseback like Paul Revere. Ride out. Leave no common sense American behind. This is the year we send Chuck Schumer packing once and for all, folks. Every time you're on this show, I get a ton of messages from folks that love you. And as you're talking and I'm watching you and uh, your delivery, you're a TV guy. Your delivery is great. And of course, you have a great vocabulary. And as I'm watching you, my phone, you see, I'm on my phone quite a bit. I love this guy. I love this guy. I love this guy. So I'll keep bringing you back. Hopefully you'll get some more opportunities elsewhere. I think when folks hear you, they know you're the clear choice. It's our job to make sure they hear you. Go to JoePinion.com this morning, folks. Trust me, this is a great man. And by the way, you don't need to be a great man to want him to win over Chuck Schumer. Just an okay guy. He happens to be a great guy. Go to JoePinion.com and uh, make sure you tell all your friends that's the guy we need in office here in New York, my friend, Joe Pinion. Great job, buddy. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, man. As I tell people, we don't choose the moments. The moments chose us. Uh, Newsmax was a great opportunity, opportunity of a lifetime. Uh, but if you're going to sit behind the desk, but you're not willing to stand up for the values, what's the virtue in having the position in the first place? That's what I told Mr. Ruddy. It's what I tell people across this state. We have to stand and deliver for this nation that we love if we want it to endure for the children uh, coming behind us. New York needs you, Joe Pinion. New York needs you. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848- 9222. We need a contestant for Beat Sid coming your way later on this hour. Your chance at cash and prizes, compliments of our dear friend Pete Morgan and the fine folks at Peerless Boilers. Actress Alexandra Vigneault is coming up next live in studio. Once again, thanks to Joe Pinion. More of Bernie and Sid on this Friday morning, right after this. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Beautiful girls all over the world I could be chasing but my time would be wasted They got nothing on you, baby Yeah Nothing on you, not, not, baby not, Nothing on you, baby not, Nothing on you yeah. I know you feel where I'm coming from Regardless of the things in my past that I've done Most of it really was for I asked our next home. guest it's happened to be beautiful. Alexandra Vignon, who her favorite artist is, and she said Bruno Mars, and you played a song. Now, Bruno Mars is a contributor on this song. I think he even wrote it, but it's not his song. Yeah, right? but he's it's the chorus, and the chorus is the best part. Okay, fair enough. You're right. It's a great song. It is 925 on this beautiful Friday morning. Joe Pinion just rocked it again, folks. Go to JoePinion.com. That is our answer to that louse Chuck Schumer, who has spent the better part of four decades with his finger up his ass doing nothing and now has become evil on top of that. Go vote for Joe Pinion in November, JoePinion.com. So uh, Alexandra Vigneault comes to me through uh, my friend Vicky Press. Vicky, 
And uh, we've interviewed a lot of her clients on this show, me and Bernie. We always enjoy them. People like Gail Casper and others, uh, actresses, uh, artists, uh, uh, even, you know, Gail's a workout uh, a freak, actually, and, and had me and Bernie doing all these crazy exercises. And I always like to meet people who excel in their field. And now me, I've basically been a radio guy my whole career, 20-plus years. And now we host the number one show in New York. But now I've delved into acting. I know people make fun of me calling myself an actor. Hey, listen. Whether they're hiring me because I can promote their movies on radio or not doesn't matter. There's a lot of guys on radio, they're not getting movie roles every couple of weeks. I've got four in less than six months, three major motion pictures and one TV series. So there must be something about me above and beyond my radio vehicle that attracts me to these people. But this lady already has a big-time acting career. She's Alexandra Vigno. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Great to have you. Uh, you've got a film that they're going to show tomorrow at the Manhattan Film Festival. Yes, it's at the Cinema Village on East 22nd Street. It's 12 East 22nd Street, 22 East 22nd Street at the Cinema Village at 3 o'clock. What is the movie about again? I'm sorry. Just... The movie is about a politically correct soft drink where... Nina Finch, who's America's sweetheart, she is doing a campaign for this soft drink, and they're doing the shooting of the behind the scenes, and it's a mockumentary, so it's satire. Oh, it's cute. Yeah, it really it plays with Madison Avenue and Hollywood, and sort of how advertising and celebrity goes hand in hand. And what is the name of the film again? Green Cola. Green Cola. You don't Green see that very often. Cola. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Thank you. And, and now, what is your role in this uh, in this film? I play Nina Finch, oh, who the is star. the star in the in the film, and I am also the writer director. Wow. Yes. Now, I think you did miss the Tribeca Film Festival, right? Yeah, the deadline for that was much sooner, and we weren't finished with the film yet. So, unfortunately, we did miss that one. But the Manhattan Film Festival is second in line to the top festival oh, in Manhattan. Deal, sure. Yeah, it's a really good one. You know, the man that owns this station has become a dear friend of mine. He's my boss, but not really. He's mm -hmm. my friend. His name mm -hmm. is John Katsimatidis. He's a lovely wife, Margot. And he joked around. He, he filled in for my partner, Bernie, a couple of weeks ago. He, he co-hosted with me. And he said, I'm going to buy a, a movie studio. And he can do it. Believe me, he's got $4 billion. And he loves doing stuff like that. Um, and then I, I started thinking to myself, would you want to do that right now in New York? You're a New York girl. Mm -hmm. You moved out to California. Now mm -hmm. you're back in New York today for this film festival. What is the movie industry like these days in New York? In New York, I mean, it's so different than when I was growing up in this industry. I mean, we were all going to the same auditions in the casting rooms, and now everything is sort of a spread out because of on-tape auditions. And so I'm not really sure what the New York scene is anymore as far as the industry oh, goes because COVID. i've been in la for 10 years you've been in la for 10 years because yeah. i know that for example i speak to my friend uh dennis and um dennis writes for law and order and he said there's a good possibility they're going to put you in one of their episodes but just be prepared when you try out for the role it's going to be through zoom i'm like through zoom isn't it horrifying yes i know because you don't have that personal connection right. and it's so different but it does make it easier for them to have a more widespread audience and yeah. who there are people that they're picking. Yeah. So it definitely helps them with their production. Yeah, I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like I it don't either. either. <laughs> yeah. So, so I mentioned you this morning, and yeah. I mentioned the fact that you were with this guy, Michael Bregman, for a long time. Yeah. And so my buddy, Corey Zelnick, who's a real estate mogul, great-looking guy, is on the show all the time. Uh -huh. He ends up going to high school with Michael. He goes, you're not going to believe oh, this. Oh, really? And I've been with Corey for years, yeah. So I said, not only is Alexandra Vigno beautiful and a big-time actress, all that is true, but she did date one of the moguls, his father, his father, in high Hollywood history. Uh, what was that like? 
It was absolutely incredible. I was really young when I met him. And um, where'd you meet him? I met him in Montauk surfing. We in were Montauk. both surfing out there. Yeah. yeah. I was out there for um, an acting sort of camp where we recreated the group theater with the actor studio people. And uh, my coach, Gary Swanson, had done this movie, The Bone Collector, with Michael. I know that movie. Yeah. Bo Deedle actually gave money. That was Denzel Washington yeah. and Queen Latifah. Yep. Yes. Yep. And I actually I met Bo Deedle with Michael a long time ago. Oh, you Rayo's. did Oh, right. Oh, yeah. It was like Christmas Eve. We were doing the limbo. It was Rayo. great. <laughs> it's always Rayo's with Bo. So. I know. Yeah. I know. He was really lovely. But it was amazing because he's a member of the Academy. And I was such a young actress. And... Uh, he and I just had this kindred spirit, very creative. We would do a lot of writing projects and work together in production. And um, he eventually became my manager as well. Wow. And being in the Academy, we went to all of the Academy parties. So I just yeah. met everybody and I had such a great opportunity, a sure. leg up in the industry. And it really yeah. helped me get into the door. But, but, but eventually you have to know having the same guy as your lover and your manager is going to come back to bite you in the ass. It did. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's not my, my boyfriend anymore. So... <laughs> Some things happen. <laughs> right, but it worked at the time. And oh, yeah. The, and his father, uh, no disrespect to man. Mo- he's like yeah. a real big deal. Yeah. Right? yeah. Oh, yeah. He was so incredible. And we would spend so much time with him. And I would listen to him on the phone calls and everything. And it really taught me about the other side of the film industry where I really wanted to be a part of. And starting as an actress, I thought it would take me much longer to transition, but I was like a sponge at the time. And yeah. over all this time, I mean, I just through osmosis, be, I do it too. Be careful when you say uh, to transition because guys are going to think that maybe you're a boy at some point. Oh. This is 2022, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I know Hollywood is wrecked with that. You know, like my <laughs> listeners, for example, this is a, a relatively conservative radio station. It's right. odd because most people in New York are Democrats. We're the uh, couple of million that actually like Donald Trump and 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 all Republicans, mm-hmm. and and uh, I get a taste of Hollywood now, and most of the projects that I work on, they're not those crazy Democrats. They're not Robert De Niro sitting on uh, Colbert last night telling the country Joe Biden's doing a very good job. <laughs> now, I know you don't want to get involved in a political conversation. It's the last thing you want to do. I get that. It polarizes everybody. It does. But there is a, a real divide, mm-hmm. uh, you know, this in Hollywood. And it, it got to the point where Republicans are having a hard time finding jobs, right? Yeah, it's been really specific as far as people's opinions on the freedom of speech that they have. Yeah. And I think that it's really affected a lot of uh, the fear-based tactics that they're pushing on people. I mean, it's making people want to be quiet, and that sort of controls you, and I think that's sort of a dangerous thing in a society where we should be able to be more open and not be afraid that we're going to be canceled if we say something. So what if they come to you and ask you to play Melania Trump in the uh, Donald Trump story? Would you do it? (laughs) What's the budget? (laughs) (laughs) See, it's always about the money. That's why Bill Mickelson is playing for the Saudi Arabians in uh, in golf. It's all about the money. I don't blame him. You know, I I don't either. Now, look, he's going to be held up for a lot of criticism, and and that's fine. But if they offered me the amount of money, I'm going to play for them too, right? Yeah. It's all about the the dollar. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all out here to survive and to keep working. For me, I love, when I make money, I just put it right back into my work. Like, I'll go produce a movie, and I'll spend, and I'll just, I always just re- Reinvest it. Reinvest it, So are are you doing more producing, directing, or acting right now? 
God, I'm doing all of it. All of it. Yeah, I have a great manager who I just brought on board, and he's just been killing who it with he? me. What's his, his name? name's Andrew Stoyarski. What is that? Andrew Stoyarski. Andrew Stoyarski. Because I just yeah. emailed Don Buckwald a couple of days ago. Yeah. I said, "Listen, I need some some help." Because Bo Dilo is being represented by Don Buckwald yeah. now. He told me that. I say, "Yeah, listen, I'm a I'm a small guy actor. I've only done a couple of roles. Nothing big." I'd like to do more stuff. He never got back to me, so. But Alexander, go right back to you. I'm well, sure. we could call him. I can help. Oh, uh, you know Don? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, from a long time ago, but we'll send uh, did, an email. Did he represent you at any point? No, or? I was no. actually with Innovative Artists, but he represented a friend of mine right. that was really close. Of course, close. he's famous for representing Howard Stern. That's his yeah. biggest, uh, that's, right. his, that's his whole deal. So you got a new manager, now you're doing everything. Yeah, so he's got me going in the room a lot. I mean, during the pandemic, it was a little slow, obviously, but that's when I made my movies, and I directed and wrote. I wrote... Oh my gosh, how many? I wrote like four or five feature films during the pandemic. I wrote eight children's books. Really? Yeah, and I have the first ones almost done with the illustrations. They're picture books for three-year-olds, and I'm doing an animated series based on them. And I just acquired some rights for uh, a, another series, an animated series for young kids from China that I'm adapting to wow. American and Spanish to uh, distribute that and so I'm working on producing that and I'm auditioning and I have all these reality shows that I developed as well so I'm pitching those like what give me because I'm a big Bravo fan for example I like the Housewives series. yeah well the only thing is if I start pitching you the show someone out there is going to take it and oh it's there's not no question right right but what I could tell you By between way, us maybe me <laughs> <laughs> maybe we could do it together now, now, you now you're know. talking you now you're know. talking I'd love to do that yeah and I would cast you in a film in a heartbeat I understand why you're working no, no, you really? have a look yeah. Now, why is that? Yeah, you have a great look, a I great do. energy about you. Yeah, very clean cut. <laughs> yeah. yeah, gentleman. You can see classic. it in a second. I'm not playing a gentleman in most of these roles. I'm playing a uh, a mobster in uh, mobsters. Most. Are I'm becoming. I'm, I'm like I'm, uh, What do you call that? Typecast already. They're like, like pretend gentlemen, right, mobsters. Uh, right. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, exactly right. You're right. So uh, I was in a later film. This movie, uh, Gemini Lounge, Danny A. Yeah. About uh, a month and a half ago. And it's pretty. I stayed in Beverly Hills, but I did pass through some neighborhoods, tents, people sleeping outside. And and here in New York, it's bad enough. You've got homeless in the streets, even here, a beautiful neighborhood. Yeah. But what I saw out in Los Angeles, I got to tell you the truth, Alexandra, I was shocked. It's absolutely worse. It's I've never seen anything like this. And it's every single neighborhood. And there's so much homelessness and there's so much crime and people doing drugs, walking in the street. Right High, naked, yeah. just what? taking a bath in the street. I saw a woman the other day in Santa Monica. She was taking a bath in the middle of the street. Completely naked. Yeah, with yeah. a bucket and a See, rag. See, Matthew McConaughey does that, it's kind of cute. But, but <laughs> yeah, am I right? That's my yeah. program, Dr. Yeah. Matt Meany. Yeah, he was kind of cute. Um, so, okay, so well, give us again the project that you're working on and uh, mm-hmm. the big movie coming out tomorrow. And where can people find you? Because you're adorable. Thank on you. Uh, social media and all that good stuff. Yeah, I'm at Taste the Vino is my Instagram Taste handle. Taste the Vino. Yes. Like the wine. Like the wine. That's yeah. my last name is Vino. You know, Taste the Skittles, Taste the Rainbow, <laughs> right. Taste the Vino. <laughs> That's where I got that from. I love that. Yeah, yeah, it's really fun. And the movie tomorrow, at 3 o'clock again, it's uh, at the Cinema Village. It's called Green Cola. It's a short film, 16 minutes, but we have the feature film prepared, and half the money is raised so far, and we're working on raising the rest of the money to make the feature film. And that will be called Hollywood Movie. Nice. It's a comedy about a woman who is running for the Oscars, and she will go at extreme lengths to win the Oscar. And it's a... 
mockumentary satire. Okay, so, sounds yeah. great. And uh, you are great. It's really nice meeting you. Really, really nice, nice meeting you. you, too. And I'd love to work with you in some, some capacity yeah, someday. Yeah, I can't wait to see your films. Well, thank you. Yeah, you're going to have a great career. Thank you. You too. I you see too. It. And you. Um, I'll see you in LA, okay? Okay. That's Alexandra Vino, everybody. And if you don't love her, you don't love Jesus. It's really that simple. I said that once to Bobby Bowden. He never forgot that. Even when he died at 91 years old. If you don't love Alexandra Vino, you don't love Jesus. Now, it's time to beat Bernie. It's time to beat Bernie. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. You think you can beat Bernie? Good luck. It's time to beat Bernie. It is that time, the abbreviated version of Beat Bernie. I spoke to Bernie yesterday. He's doing well. We'll be back on Monday. Um, so with that, we have Beat Sid. Uh, going on, and our contestant is Bob, a regional sales manager from New Jersey. Bob, welcome to Bernie and Sid in the morning. How how you doing this Friday morning? I'm doing excellent. It's a lovely day and uh, uh, great weather, so it's a it's a good day. Cannot beat that. Where in New Jersey are you? Uh, I'm in Flemington, but I'm actually from Caldwell, which is uh, the home of Calandra's Bakery. Ah, Calandra's—they are wonderful. Uh, they, you know, that's. Some of the the greatest. What do they use? I think four ingredients to uh, make some of the stuff. It's just you know, just beautiful things. All right, you uh, you ready to play the game today? I am. All right, you know how it works. Five for you, same five for Sid. And if you beat them, uh, you will get a fifty dollars gift card and a I beat uh, Bernie shirt. But we will abbreviate that. Throw some duct tape. But you got to win first, um, okay. and we'll throw Sid's face on it. All right, here we go. Number one, and as we know with uh, the Beat Sid abbreviated version, it is more uh, pop culture sports stuff, so uh, best of luck, all right? Bobby, you there? Yeah. All right, here I'm we go. here. Let's do it. Number one, which head coach won the most Stanley Cups in NHL history? Oh, jeez. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. Okay, very good. Yeah, Bro, I get too late back of that, should be Jesus. All right, Bob, come on. We got this. Scotty Bowman. All right, here we go. Yeah. Number two. In 2019, who did Forbes list as, quote, the youngest self-made billionaire ever? Mark Zuckerberg? Nope. Wrong, you two-legged bag of Jesus. We were looking for uh, one of the Kardashian clans. Actually, one of the Jenner clan uh, members was Kylie Jenner. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Let's get on the board here. Number three. Besides running, name one of the two sports that were played in the first ever Olympic uh, first ever Olympics that are still played today. Running? Wrestling. Very good. On the board, Bobby. The other one was boxing. Very good. All right. Let's get. Uh, let's go two in a row here. Number four. What NBA Hall of Famer is notoriously known for having self-proclaimed relations with upwards of 20,000 women in his life? Uh, that would be Wilt Chamberlain. Wilt. The Stilt Chamberlain is correct. And rounded it out here with number five. Uh, if you get this right, it's three for five. We're putting the pressure on Sydney. How many Harry Potter movies are there? Hint, there is one more movie than there are books. Uh, I would say four. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax. Double that, and uh, we have our correct answer. It would be eight. Not bad, Bob. Two for five. Uh, this is going to be interesting. That last question, I don't know if Sydney's going to have a good, good uh, run at, but... Uh, We'll see. Hang on hold, and we'll bring you back, and uh, we'll uh, we'll see how Sid does. Uh, again, this is uh, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and uh, Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Uh, make sure you go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com. While the weather's warm, folks, I had an experience a couple years ago. Boiler broke in the middle of winter. You did not want that to happen. Check on them now while it's warm out. 
as Sydney rolls back into the studio. That's Pavilion Tankless or Peerless War, uh, Boilers.com. Shout out to Pete Morgan. All right, Sydney, we have uh, Bob on hold who went, I think, two for five. Two so. for five, okay. Not bad. Uh, Did you write the game too? No, Philip wrote it today. Okay. I, he beat me to it. So We're and, testing his wits. Yes. Got to put him through the ringer. They're not terrible questions today, so we will uh, we'll see here. All right, okay. num- number one. Yep. Which head coach has won the most Stanley Cups in NHL history? Wow. Um, hmm. I'm going to go with Al Arbor. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax. That's a good so. guess. That was a good guess. There's got to be somebody in Montreal, maybe. No, Detroit. Oh, looking. Scotty Bowman? Scotty Bowman. Uh, Scotty Bowman. All right, get on the board here. In 2019, who did Forbes list as the youngest self-made billionaire ever? Youngest self-made billionaire. Elon Musk? No. Wrong, you two-legged bag of anthrax. Oh, Kylie Jenner. Oh, I should have known that, too. Come right. on, Sid. Come on, man. This is where uh, Bob got on the board here. LeBron James is a billionaire. Though. He is. wants to buy yeah. a, a basketball team in, in Las Vegas. Vegas. I saw that. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Number three. Besides running, name one of the two sports that were played in the first ever Olympics that are still played today in the Olympics. <laughs> oh, my God. He's a hard. Like I'm they're not. not I, I, but uh, the, hey, Bob got this one right. Think about it, though. If you think about it, you know, you, you, you could uh, you can get it. What, it's, so it's a summer Olympics, it, obviously. Yeah, summer. But it's also think about the Romans, the and, Romans, and the Greeks. You see what I'm saying? I'm giving him way too much hints here. It doesn't matter. He's not getting it. Uh, swimming. Oh, that's a good guess. Back of good guess. Javelin throwing, a uh, a jumping, jumping. No, no. B- boxing and wrestling. Oh, uh, oh yeah, Greco Roman. All right, you got to get these last two right to be Bobby here. All right, what NBA Hall of Famer is notoriously known for having self-proclaimed relations with upwards of twenty thousand women in his life? Bernie McGurk. Oh, and a Hall of Famer, but uh, oh, no, Bernie, no. two-legged oh, back of that. I have to go with Will Chamberlain. There you go, Will yeah. to Oh, well, it's a very well-written game out of both, Phil. Right, and now yeah. this one's a little. Uh, if you get this, I'll be impressed. How many Potter movies, how many Harry Potter movies are there? Hint, there's one more movie than there are books. See, my son Gabriel loves Harry Potter. He even looks like him. In fact, when we were in London, they went to the studios, him and Daniel. Oh. So they actually and they, I know they and have put him Disney. on a broom. And a, yeah. yeah, and Disney, they have a, 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 ride. a whole thing now, too, a whole like kingdom. Is that Universal? Or? I'm not, well, actually, you know, I say Disney. Well, it's Universal. I've never been, you know, yeah. I haven't been there in years, yeah. but okay. I think it's Disney World. I think so. No, it is. It is. It is. Um, I'm going to go with seven. Ooh, Siggy, that's how many books there were. We were looking for eight. We, Son of a we, It's Friday. Bob, we're sending Bob to the weekend as a winner here. Uh, sales Regional sales manager from, I think he said Caldwell, New Jersey. Bob, say hello to Sydney. And congrats. Sid, how you, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing, Matt. Great job. Thank you very much. And Phil, nice game today. Bob, I'm doing well. How are you, buddy? I, I'm good. Let me tell you something. I, every morning, the way uh, I'm going to pay you a nice compliment, the way you and Bernie connect with the audience, I really do feel like we're uh, old friends and family. Well, thank you for saying that. Uh, somebody actually said yesterday that I'm rude to the callers, which is ridiculous. If somebody acts like a jack-off, then yes, I'm going to give you a hard time. But um, I think that both of us, me and Bernie, are, are very nice. And uh, you guys, for the most part, are terrific, like you, for example. You're, you sound like a wonderful man. And I appreciate you saying that because that does mean a lot when you develop an audience and a relationship with your audience, which helps make you number one. So thank you for saying that. Yeah, and I got a suggestion for you, Sid, for a book signing when it comes out. Okay. So uh, uh, Calandra's, they uh, they have, uh, like, stars there sometimes. Like uh, Scott Bayo t- did a show there and some other people. You should go to Calandra's in Caldwell and have a, a book signing. 
I would Have love to bring listen, their book and I, you sign it. I would love to do that. And uh, if those guys would allow me to do it, maybe give away a cannoli with every book I. <laughs> Because <laughs> they are the best bakery anywhere in New York. There's no doubt about that. That's a great idea, Bob. Thank you so much for playing today. Thank you for the kind words. Have a great weekend, and God bless you. But I will reach out to Colangelo's and see if they want to do that. It'll be fun, right? Get a book and a cannoli. Yeah, that? well, I mean, if you felt fat yesterday. Uh... Oh, I feel so fat again today. Oh, yeah, yeah. But you didn't even uh, eat anything. I know. You had your Munster and tomato, which is just vile, disgusting. <laughs> really, it's gross. I mean, it's like it's like psychopath stuff. But I convinced myself with this. Yeah. like Bernie. Bernie had the same breakfast every day for four years. It was like the, he had like this, this horrible brand cereal of Yeah, but at least that's something that nuts. like people actually eat. Nobody eats tomato and monster cheese on a bagel. Nobody does that. Danielle does. Huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Believe me. 1-800-848-9222. We'll come back, take some calls, wrap up shot. It's been another amazing week of shows. And we'll uh, close it out right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. <laughs> Sponsored by Fearless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters on 77 WABC. We're doing it live! Hey, Bill O'Reilly here, and you are listening to Bernie and Sid. God help you. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Dancing shoes out. This is the beautiful Franz Jolie. Come to me. 957. Wrapping up another great week of shows on Nielsen Weighted, number one show in New York City, Bernie and Sid. That uh, Alexandra Vigneault is, um, she's great, right? Yeah, she's really great. Very smart, articulate, and, yep. um, you know, um, yeah. yeah, very smart. And, yeah. Um, Keep going with that. Very good talker. All right. Stuff. Are you naked yet? <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, Joe Pinion was, was terrific. And uh, the callers have been great today. We covered every major story. And I'm in the weekend mode now. I'm going to leave here and walk eight blocks in this uh, brilliant sunshine to New York Sports Club on 41st and 3rd. I'm going to beat the hell out of my back for about an hour or so. Then I'm going to shower there, which is always gross, and uh, get dressed. Uh, what I'm wearing now, which is a very nice outfit, uh, go for a nice lunch somewhere in New York City. Pick up my son Gabe and his uh, little friend Elijah at uh, Gabe's school at uh, that that place uh, at about two two thirty. Hop on the ferry. We'll take the three fifteen ferry back to Rockaway, and my weekend officially starts about four thirty when we get there, which does include this weekend a big dinner tomorrow night. Me and my beautiful wife Danielle with uh, the great Andrew Giuliani. Mm-hmm. 
at my favorite Italian restaurant anywhere in New York, and uh, that is Michael's. Oh. The great Michael's restaurant in Brooklyn. That's coming up tomorrow night. Then next week I've got a lunch date with Harry Wilson. I think I'll see Rob Astorino too. And um, Well, he called us today too. Did Rob call in? Yeah. What was the matter now? Now what? No, nothing was the matter. I think uh, I think he probably thought both you and Bernie were here. And um, I told him, uh, listen, we'll get you on with both of them next week. Uh-huh. So he just called just to come on? No, you guys, there was probably oh, some, 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 yeah, there was some level of miscommunication. He thought he was scheduled for 840, but he wasn't. Sure. So I had to tell him. <laughs> it was like when I turned away Joe Pinion yesterday. I was like, Joe. Uh, God. You know. I know. He walked in, too, yesterday. I mean, just, yeah. They just walk in here. It's, it's just, it's, yeah. They runs right over. Right. It's crazy. I mean, Bernie, uh, Bernie's the one who usually books Rob. Mm-hmm. And Bernie's been out all week. So, right, so I'm sure so Bernie no probably him. thought he was going to be back on Friday. And so. Yeah, but no, no, no. You, you, Bernie didn't talk to him. I guarantee you. Okay, so then I don't know what... what I the don't know. last conversation Rob had with either one of us was me, and it was a great one Monday when he was hanging out with Donald Trump, by the way. Okay. Yeah. Well, there's your fun fact of uh, this Friday morning. Well, what are you doing this weekend? I'm going down the shore. I gotta, oh, that's nice. i got to bolt out of here, yeah. So. Where you go? Oh, Tom's River? What? Now, Ortley Beach. Nice. The girlfriend and uh, yeah, a couple friends and uh, oh, good. and the gal and uh, all right, have fun, bro. You had another great week of work. I love you so much, man. You 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 do a great job here every day. I just I can't say enough about you. Well, I appreciate. It. I love you right back. Thank you, bro. Hey, Phil, you had a great first week too. You know, Luke Legrano was terrific, and you are right there, bro. So thank you. Thanks. Uh, it, it would mean a lot more if you knew that it was my second week here, but whatever. <laughs> I keep I, well. I say you're from Czechoslovakia and Hungary, and that's not even right either, is it? Yeah, but at this point, what am I going to say? There's only right. so many times I could correct right. that. We've well, had two great weeks. Okay, thank you very Thanks. much. All right, uh, Frankie Diaz with the knee. Thank you very much, Jack and Carl. Good morning to you. We're done. Bernie should be back on Monday morning. I'll be here for sure. Have yourselves a beautiful New York weekend. From all of us to all of you till six a.m. Monday morning. Get naked.